Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated Hello, with everybody. cosmic rays. It is Wednesday, June the 3rd, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Dishes. Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bob Escholo, and I'm here with Steve Say, and Mr. Bob Ryer. Howdy, ho, ho. We are here. Stephanie is sick. Got struck. Wrote. Can you take a week off? Can you catch it over the internet? And um, she continues her great streak of being on the show. But what's the point of like this year? It's true. It has. I can talk. That's true. <laughs> uh, we haven't always even been in the same room, though. It's when true. we were we, snowstorms, we had a rough and, winter as yeah. far as that stuff goes. It was a rough winter as far as that stuff goes. Um, so, sad that Stephanie's not here. The saddest thing is because then I have to write the post for the show tonight after we finish recording. So, and we have to helm her book of the week. We do. I said that. I think this is the second time in a row she hasn't been here for the book of the week that she assigned. Oh, well, well, that's right, Stephanie. Huh. Has she sent us notes at least? No. <laughs> no. No. If you're listening, Stephanie. You failed. So Epic, hard. epically. You're sick. And you failed being. You failed because you were sick. Um, so yeah, we got something to talk about this week. Our book of the week is Sons of the Devil um, by Brian Bucciolato with art by Tony Infanti uh, and from Image Comics. And we will be talking about that. Um, we also, of course, have our various lightning round books and, and books of the week. Uh, I had some fun this because I, I did a lot of Marvel Unlimited stuff. Um, and one of those things is, is my book of the week. Um, I had... I had good experiences and bad experiences. We're check. We're we're gonna unpack Marvel Unlimited here for yeah. a little bit. Um, so it's a great service. You know, I basically pay for it yearly, and I go go through kind of spurts where I use it and I don't use. It. You know, there's some weeks where I use it a ton and I'm all about it, and then there are, there are months go by and I don't use it. Right, but the fact that I can read these kind of big series and and these things from the past and Marvel's past, you know, it saves me. Sorry, it saves me fifteen, twenty, thirty dollars just from that, so I'm already almost paying for the whole thing anyway. Um, and it's good for end-of-the-year time when I'm trying to catch up on old stuff, because you know it's only about three months behind, so you can pretty much sure. usually catch up on most Marvel stuff at that point. Um, so I had a good experience. I've, uh, the book I was reading, which I don't want to give it away because we're going to talk about it later, but the book I was reading, um, I got through the first two issues, and it's great. It was working perfectly, like not, not a single hitch. Then I get to the third issue, and the last page didn't load for some reason. Like it just kept oh. giving me, and I was like, okay, let me turn the app off. And then I, should I quit the app? And then it still didn't work. I, I turned off the iPad and rebooted the iPad. Still would not load this one page of the comic. Um, and so I was a little pissed about that, but I was like, you know what? It's one page and it was like one big splash page or whatever. And I kind of got what was going on uh, from, the, fir- from the, the page before it and the last page of the next one. I mean, the first page of the next book. But it really was the next book that that kind of drove me over the edge because it it just like it loaded like the first three pages and then every other page was like it was not loading. Oh, um, and it was really bothersome, you know. Like it's it when that happens, it it makes the service kind of rendered moot because what's the point in kind of advertising? We have all these books and we can do all this stuff, and then it just doesn't work. Um, yeah. So I was, you know, that sucked. The thing, I, way I found around it was, with Marvel Unlimited, you can download like twelve books to read offline. So if you're going on an airplane, if you're going to be somewhere that doesn't have Wi-Fi, you can have twelve books, which usually covers about two arcs, right? Yeah. That you can read. 
So I figured, I, I found out that if I downloaded the issues fully that way, um, they would all be there. Uh, and I could read them all. But that's not really, like, the optimal solution for it. No. That's so not what you're paying for. No, not at all. So it, it does, like, it still has that issue where sometimes it, when it works, it's, like, the best thing in the world. But when it doesn't work, it's so frustrating, especially if you're in the middle of something. You know, if you're because I was right in the middle of this sure. of the series I was reading, and you know, I, I it sucked that I couldn't just read it. And what if I had, you know, what if I? Had, I mean, again, I could always delete the ones I'd already downloaded if I had already had some downloaded. But you know, that's not the way it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to be able to read them. So I feel like I, you know, it's weird because listen, I'm sure it's difficult. Like, there's so many issues on there, and there's probably this issue and that and, and that problem that comes up and crops up, but. I feel like this has been going on like since the service has launched and it's definitely gotten better. Like they used to have really weird stuff where like they would label something as an issue and it would have a totally different, it would be like daredevil number 15. It would be like the cover of, you know, Deadpool number two, (laughs) you know, it's, it's a very, a very, very weird stuff would happen with with that. Um, and they don't, that doesn't happen anymore. It does sometimes still like I was reading this series and it was like a mini series in the middle of a, a larger, like ongoing, and you know it was like it was like number 81, 82, 83. And the good thing about it is that when you finish an issue, it comes to like you want to read the next issue and just click next. You don't have to go back into the oh, library. It's like Netflix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this time it was like do you want to read next and it was like the the issue after the issue that was next. And so uh-huh. I, and so I had to go back and grab the other issue. It was a very weird thing that 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 happened. So it still has glitches, still has problems. Um, that would be pretty terrible for somebody that doesn't know the numbering or is not aware yes. of like comic book numbering and how they can sometimes veer off the beaten path, so to speak. Yeah, it it does. It it, it does kind of suck for, for that kind of stuff. But in the end, you know, everything worked out fine, and I got where I needed to go with everything because of the downloading issue. So it it just you know it's a back and forth thing. It's a back and forth thing. Do they have customer tech support? Or I'm some sure kind they of do. Jazz? Yeah, I was gonna say like with so many books on that service. They probably wouldn't even know that they need to fix it until somebody sends them like some kind of like bug report or, or yeah. you know, hey, guys, this page and this page is missing. You might want to check the upload for, you know, I don't know, Amazing Spider-Man issue number, what have you. Yeah, absolutely. And then they, yeah. they go and they look at it and they're like, oh, shit, they have to do it over again. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, honestly, I was about to like send them a screenshot of the pic of what was going on. <laughs> what is this? And then I, I downloaded it. And so I was like, okay, I'll just leave it alone for now. But this is my formal complaint about, yes. about it. Um, it's a cool, it's such a cool service. And, and when it works, it works great. But it, when it doesn't work, it's, 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 bother- and obviously it's very like, <laughs> um, it's like, it's very first world problem situation. Like, Oh, this, all the comic books in the world aren't available when I want them for the service I pay $60 a year for, you know, but still like, you know, somebody, it's like when your buddy says, oh, I'm going to help you move. And he doesn't show up. It's like, exactly. he was under no responsibility to help me move. But once he said, oh, I'll help you move, then yeah, he's, right. his job, he's got to help me move. That's the, that's the way it goes. We're giving you all the comics ever made by Marvel. Yeah. Then they should be there. Exactly. Exactly. Now, look, right now we're in the middle of all these events that harken back to old books. You'd think it'd be glitch free at this point mm-hmm. that they had realized, here we go now. Everyone's going to want to dive back into things. That's exactly why I was reading them. Yeah, that's exactly why. This is what I was doing this week, and I read through one whole series that that had that I'm going to talk about later. That was a a Secret Wars book, and I began reading another one um, that was a Secret Wars book. Uh, And so, because of that, I wanted you know, I I, that's why I was doing it. I was like, I'm going to do this thing. Like, there are these series I have never read. Like, now is the perfect time to go back and read them because 
there are these other books, and some of them don't have anything to do with, with, with that much to do with. Um, one of them I was reading was Planet Hulk, and mm-hmm. I, I haven't finished it all yet. I read like the first three or four issues, and it's like a twelve issue thing or thirteen issue thing or something. But the the Secret Wars book has really not a lot to do with, with that series. There's some stuff going on there, but it's in the Secret Wars book. It's really kind of like a Planet of Hulks. You know, it's oh. not it's not a planet yeah. that Hulk gets sent off to. Uh, so it's different, but I still wanted to read it, you know, um, because some of them have been very closely tied, and I, wa- I, I want to know what, what's going on. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, it's a mixed bag. Mixed bag of stuff. You poor man. I'm a very poor man. Um, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> um, so I should not be buying the unlimited service. It's good service. It's just, it's an, it, like, it, it, it just doesn't always work. That's the See, problem. but I'm bad with glitchy things. You yeah. know that from yeah. the emails I send you. I can't look at the so-and-so. How do I put a paragraph in this? I love that. I still recall the day that I taught Bob how to copy and paste. Yeah, it was only like six months ago. <laughs> it was pretty epic. You can do that, huh? That's how you do that. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's the thing about it. Like, and actually, I don't know what it's like on like desktop. Uh, yeah. I don't know what it's on like, like on a computer. I'm just speaking from the iPad interface. Mm-hmm. It's been on... Like computers for a, like I think a, at least a year more than it's been on the well, iPad. Maybe they've got some they got some stuff, stuff sorted, yeah, stuff sorted out. Uh, and apparently they're very very good at responding to to, to issues. It's just that like they're not going to be able to. They're not if I want to read like issue three of Planet Hulk, they're not going to fix it in two yeah. minutes. You know? Yeah. Oh man, we're sorry. Hold on a minute. Yeah, it's going to go into the queue and they're going to fix it when they fix it. And I didn't want to wait for that. Mm. I wanted to read it right then. I hear they're very responsive. Our friend Lauren always mm-hmm. says that she writes them emails about, I want to read some old Submariners from the Golden Age. Yeah. yeah we'll, the, we'll get to that. Yeah. And then they do, yeah, which she's is on, pretty uh, cool. Probably some kind of like preferred readers list. She definitely is on like that, like, like I'm she, a... She knows the Comic-Con Mar- people. Yeah. yeah. She schmoozes. Yeah, I'm a Marvel... Unli- she's like a Marvel Unlimited VIP or whatever. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> she and Stan are like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's probably listening to the show right now. Hi, Lauren. I'm, I'm assuming that she, she usually listens to the show. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. Marvel Limited still a mixed bag for me. I don't know if you, the experiences anybody else has had out there. Um, you know, send us a message. You know, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com or tweet us at talkingcomics and let us know what your experiences with Marvel Limited have been. If you had similar experiences, you know, whatever it might be, um, and, and let us know because it's a pretty pretty interesting thing. Yeah. Um, When's DC going to do one? You'd think they. would I would, Follow suit? I would I would think, but I, I'll tell you something, and I would love them to do it because there's a plenty of old DC stuff I would love mm-hmm. to read. Me too, especially in the light of uh, convergence. It seems like they're they're less scared of, of their previous properties. Um, so who knows? Uh, but I will tell you this: because of Marvel Unlimited, when I go to like a comic shop or I'm shopping for trades, and there's like an old Marvel series that I'm thinking about getting, I definitely go like, yeah, I don't need to get it. Like you know, I I can read it on com- yeah. on. Unlimited, and, and if I love it, I, I can definitely buy it. You know, I might buy it, but w- with DC, I'm like, oh, I have to buy the trade because I, I'm not going to be able to read it any, any way else. Interesting dichotomy, though. Marvel continues to publish Masterworks editions and trade paperback Masterworks editions of books from the 40s and mm-hmm. 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. DC doesn't have an online presence with these books mm-hmm. and doesn't do any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah. None. They do the new 52 stuff and occasionally something else. But if you want to go back and buy old Justice Leagues, forget it. And yet they're 12 volumes into hardcover editions of Fantastic Four and Avengers mm-hmm. and X-Men, and they continue to 
throw out Atlas books from the Atlas horror books from the fifties with Gugam, son of Goo or whatever. Right. <laughs> and and they'll put that out for seventy dollars and DC, whose history is so glorious, won't I'm never gonna get all those Wonder Woman books from the Golden Age. I'm thankfully finished the Justice Society. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took they, them fifteen they, years, but I did get them. They might still come back and do it. You, I know, sure you, hope you never so. know. Um Yeah. I, I don't know. And did DC ever publish those old kind of like collected volumes where they would publish like a lot of the older stuff. Did they, did they ever do it like Marvel where they did it in color or was it always black and white? Oh, you mean the they did Showcase. They did Showcase, which are all right. black and white, right. right? But they did hardcover archive editions. They did, like the, like the Marvel Masterworks right. things. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, when they first started with Superman and Batman, the, the original stories mm-hmm. from Action and Detective went into uh, All-Star, did Wonder Woman, did Flash, and they even did a Black Canary hmm. Archive edition that had stuff from the 40s, 60s, 70s, 80s. They were doing all sorts of great stuff. Mm. No, hmm. no, done. They, they started doing chronicles of some things, which are reprints of the other ones, with occasionally some oddball one-off story from Comics Cavalcade. Oh, so I did buy the archive editions <laughs> for $60, and now you want me to buy it over again for 24 for one story. <laughs> no. No, I'm a jerk, but I'm not that big a jerk. <laughs> No. Oh my goodness. Um, no. Jerk. <laughs> I know that. Uh... <laughs> no. Here's the th- here's the deal. Through the '80s, I bought a lot of back issues. You've seen what my archive passes yeah, for. Yeah, I've it's seen a, it. It's a room of paper. If if I ever have ants in there or termites, I'm in big trouble. Oh God. And Silver Age books were still fairly reasonable then. You could get the books you needed, and they were $20, $30 a piece, which is, you know, not what they are now. Two, three years later, archives, masterworks, hardcovers, trade paperbacks in nice bound editions that I don't have to fret about spilling a beer into or whatever. (laughs) Uh, I'd have bought, I'd have waited and bought bound books that I could leave on the shelf and read. Yeah, I bought them to read the stories, mm-hmm. not to have them to sell because they're worth money. Once I die, you guys will, you know, have a field day. I'm sure. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't wait. There you go. There you go. God. But but the deal is, these things were available to now oh, buy in a form. There you, go. you totally sound like my grandmother. I'm as old as she's your grandmother. Like I'm allowed to say that. Grave. Every time I talk to her, she's like, "Well, you know, when I'm dead." dead. This hold on, really quick. Yeah. I didn't interrupt. This past Easter, I brought my my girlfriend was visiting. We went to go hang out with my family, and she never hung out with that side. It was my dad's side, right? And my grandmother is taking photos with us, and you know, we're getting together. And she's like, she leans over to Bronwyn, and she goes, "You know." The reason they're taking so many pictures of me today is because I probably won't be here next year. I'll be dead. It was like, Grandma, what is wrong with you? Go, Grandma. So go ahead, Bob. Sorry. She's, she was still singing, only. Yes. Is it right. Oh, so, it's my last show. Yeah. My, my, for those that know, my, my grandmother's a uh, jazz singer. Um, she has an incredible voice. Every show is her last show. So every show I get roped into going into is the last one. My that was 300th eight, farewell performance. It was eight yeah. shows ago. There you go. I'm so glad she still does them. She's amazing. That's all I was saying. I would have rather bought books in these hardcovers yeah. than to have to worry about what else is going on. And that's it's a shame that that program doesn't yeah. continue. Yeah. Uh, and it's a shame, too, because they're very good about... Uh, I mean, they're stupid expensive, but they're very good about... The omnibus thing for mm-hmm. the for the recent stuff. I mean, I know that uh, Justin, uh, who th- 
Congratulations, Justin! By the yes. way, him and his wife uh, Ange, they just yeah. had um, their second their second son, first in house uh, talking comics baby. Yeah, it's true. Wow, Finn Parker Townsend. Well, yep, Melissa was writing for us. I think when she oh, that's yes. right. I'm sorry, yeah. Max. When yeah, <laughs> sorry, Max. Mad Max, the tiny dictator, was born. <laughs> oh, he can kick my ass. I definitely better apologize. Yeah. And belated happy birthday to Melissa. Oh yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Justin, because he was he was like, well, I'm gonna be. He texted me. He's like, "Is it worth it to buy the Jeff Johns Flash stuff?" And I was like, um, "I mean, what I've read of it has been really good." He's like, "Well, they have the omnibus here, the first volume, and it's it's out of print. You can't get anywhere right now, and it and it's like only seventy five dollars here, and it's one hundred twenty everywhere else." He's like, "So is it worth it?" I was like, "Well, if you're interested in the Flash, like it's Jeff Johns, it's good, definitely good." He's like, "Okay, I'm gonna get it." He's like, "I have a lot of hospital time in my future, so I'm gonna be sitting there <laughs> a lot of time to read." Um, so he got the Flash one. And they've been—they're really good about those. But um, yeah, it, it's a shame because Marvel seems to be pretty on the regular, right, with their yeah. masterwork stuff. Still mm-hmm. continues to go out. You know, once a month there's something, mm-hmm. and sometimes two or three at once. They have various covers as well because when they came out, they had this, sort of these marbleized sort of granite covers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had that look, you can still order that. You can have all of them look exactly the oh, same on good. the shelf, yeah. and they're—they're they're really in their pitching. Look, they were forty dollars. They're now eighty. Yeah, yep. You're um, still getting ten issues of books that would cost you two grand to buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right. Not so bad. And you get to have a book on your shelf. I've been um, collecting Invincible from mm. Image, and uh, I got uh, the Ultimate uh, hardcover editions uh, two through four while I was away. They showed up in the mail, like twenty bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. Like it just. Now that I've that, that's kind of my problem with it. Like I've read it in that big oversized format. That's just it's gorgeous. The pages are thick. The colors are vibrant. I can't go to like regular no. paperback <laughs> trade after no that. Way. I have one. I have to do the whole. It might take me a couple months to get them all, but I have to read it that way, or I'm not going to read it at all. Yeah, I know. I understand. Um, I was I was on. I didn't order anything yet, but I was on InStockTrades.com, oh. and I threw all of the Buffy season eight uh, library editions uh. in there, which are not the from Dark Horse. They're not that expensive. No. Retail. They're like 30 bucks a piece mm-hmm. retail. I was reading them when we first started doing the show. They were good. Yeah, but I threw them in there, um, and all I think there's five of them, five or six of them, and it was only like $65 on stock trades. Yep. Wow. So I'm going to be getting those. That's definitely, the stuff. Definitely be ordering those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't want to know about in-stock trades. <laughs> it's I, good. I, I don't. Come on over, Bob. If you're no. looking, here, if thinking like we talked about, if you're looking for like, especially, I mean, some of the image stuff, it's like ridiculous. It's like yeah. $4 for a, for a trade and stuff like that, which is crazy. It's crazy pants. It's only that much money. Come, Bob, the water's fine. <laughs> oh, but it's really good. Oh, but honestly, Bob, if you're gonna buy those, like I don't, I, I haven't looked into this stuff because I don't, I don't, get, I don't buy them. But those masterworks things and like those omnibus and stuff like that, it's really good for that stuff because if, if instead of spending a hundred dollars, you might spend fifty dollars or sixty dollars, which I mean it adds mm-hmm. up after a couple. If you if you're in the habit of buying those kind of books, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I pre-order, I get a nice discount, but it's mm-hmm. not that discount. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's really nice. And if anything, if it saves you the money, let's say it saves you $40, and you had that money to play with anyway, you could get more stuff. And then in the case for us, we get to talk about it on the show. Yeah, And totally. you get to share more books with people. Oh, yeah. take it off my taxes. No, well, I'm just saying, like, you know, <laughs> you were talking a lot about, you know, where to buy things and mm, when, and, yeah. you know, versus buying in the store versus online, and, like, is there a line in the sand when it comes to discounts? And, like, after the show, I thought about it, and I'm like, no. <laughs> like, we have this, like, we have this platform mm. upon which, like, I've talked about just about every damn book I've ordered from them. Mm. So, no, I I, I, I I feel great about it. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers for that. Yeah, exactly right. There you go. Down with local Down businesses. With local yeah. businesses. Yeah, yeah. LCS my ass. <laughs> Mm. 
Love you, Rob. No, but here, no, all our, for all we go to all sorts of places, we ha- we all have regular stores. Yes. We spend our money oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. one place more than anywhere else. And that's very important in this day and age when things are fragmenting so much that you still have yeah. some place that's yours. Well, you got special edition coming up this weekend, which is going to have all kinds of vendors. Yeah. They're going to be mm-hmm. getting some, uh, some nice change from me. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, so I got to, this weekend at the show, I'm going to pick the artist who will do the wedding one of like the series of things I'm gonna do with Karen and I. Uh-huh. I did my like the the Life with K and B cover. Yeah. And we have like the you know, we have the proposal one that I did mm-hmm. with Hanny. And then I'm gonna I've different artists for each one. So I'm gonna do I'm gonna Are you doing another one? Yeah, I'm gonna do one for all, all the big milestones. So oh, that's one for, awesome. One for the actual wedding. Then you know Menton three. Men- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Oh, that'd be terrifying. <laughs> oh, he's so great. <laughs> Yeah, he'd have the the penguins and seals behind me yeah. with the giant teeth. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Bob and I are actually sharing a room Saturday night. Oh, really? Night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're staying at the uh, Inc. 48 Hotel uh, near the pier, if uh, if people were wondering where we're going to be hanging out. <laughs> and uh, Saturday into Sunday, we'll be doing that with a couple of our friends. It's going to be nice. Mm. The rooms look amazing. It's awesome. like champagne service when you walk through the door. Nice. Yeah. It's... Uh, Swanky, to say the least. It's a hotel that looks as if it's out of a Mission Impossible movie <laughs> yeah. kind of thing, right? You know, yeah, it's awesome. like it's where there'd be a caper. Well, you have the the Yotel, which is where everybody was staying yeah. last year, where a lot of like the bigger uh, names or just names mm. in comics are staying. And they have a robot in the lobby that you can put stuff away and store it, and you just like punch it into a keypad what your locker number is, and this giant robot arm comes out and like fetches your stuff for you and leaves it in this little drawer that you pull out and be mm. on your way pretty nice yeah. we haven't figured out if we're doing an after party so to speak mm-hmm. or a meet and greet we'll sort it all out yeah, as we go and we'll, we'll yeah. tweet to people yeah. and, and it's not going to be a tgi fridays <laughs> <laughs> um, we, uh, look i understood why we did that but no, here's here's the deal tgi fridays is uh, sorry for anyone who works there or who's a stockholder <laughs> it's a pretty miserable place anyway <laughs> as opposed to your local barn grill mm-hmm. uh-huh the one inside the Amtrak station <laughs> might be the worst example of TGI Fridays in the entire chain. This is, you had to this go is get true. your you had to go get your own drinks and your own food, <laughs> and it was good. I mean, it wasn't bad. No one got sick or whatever, and it was wonderful company who had lovely conversations and a great group of changing people. It was yes, loads it's more of about fun. the people. Than it is and we got to see Ryan and his dad because we went there and not you know someplace right. where we wouldn't allow they wouldn't allow him in because even though he's the most mature teenager i've ever seen mm-hmm. he's still a teenager and there yeah. are rules yes. his dad is with him though i don't understand like what's gonna happen you know his dad could get them all liquored up if it's just a, <laughs> if, but if it's just a bar like if it's exclusively a yeah. bar like they have there's just rules it's just a yeah. law the yeah, state yeah. liquor authority shows up yeah. and they're out of business his, but his dad's month. here <laughs> yeah <laughs> it wouldn't fly for yeah. them <laughs> yeah, his dad's charles manson yeah. you know it's like his dad's there so um yeah. we'll figure it out yeah but should be fun should be a, it should be a fun. It should be more laid back. It's still not sold out. So, um, mm. if you guys want to come, yeah. you guys can come. Uh, I think there are people going to rush it at the last minute to try to get New York Comic Con tickets because oh, okay. there are a parcel of them for mm. sale. Um, and speaking of events, uh, this is it's it's like ninety nine percent sure. Uh, September Saturday, September fifth, um, here on, in Patchogue, New York, uh, we're going to be doing Talking Comics two hundredth episode. <gasps> Live, it's gonna be kind of a it's gonna oh be a God. barbecue kind of games, kind of a, a hangout situation plus podcast cornhole. Uh, definitely some oh, cornhole yeah. happening. 
So if you're interested, we had a few people who, who wrote to us already, a couple of people. Nice. But if you're interested, we're coming up. You know, it's not that far away. It's only a couple months away. So um, we want to make sure, you know, we need counts for food and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, and for more details and stuff, and we'll divulge the address. It's like a, it's a personal address, so that it won't be out there publicly. You can't just show up. But anybody who RSVPs, yes. Um, email us, podcast at com, And make sure you put into the subject line, 200th episode RSVP because I, I mean we get a lot of emails so I want to be able to sort and be able to get them yeah. and answer them and collect them together um, and then if you want to come you guys can come and we'll 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 figure it out and we'll get all the details as, as we go along um, but yeah it'll be cool we'll be games we'll have hopefully we'll boom we're gonna talk to some of the local shops so we'll have some books to give away again and stuff like that so um, yeah we'll be we'll, we'll, it's gonna be fun it's well, gonna be maybe awesome. we'll show some movies. Let me show some movies. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, our movies. Our movies. Yes. Because <laughs> this is a multi-podcast party, mm-hmm. in essence, mm-hmm. because we'll have... Justin will be there from, yes, from Talking, Talking Games, Games yeah. as will Jackie. Well, mm-hmm. I'm sure Rob will be there. I'm assuming so the Jackie whole, will be there. Yeah, so I would hope so. Yeah, uh, Brian and uh, uh, Nick are going to come yep. down from Talking Movies. Awesome. Awesome. So Can we, we get Adam in from Japan? Probably not. That's too bad. We can get him on the line, though. If you, yes, if you absolutely. So September. September. Yeah. That is perfect. September 5th. That works uh, out really Labor Day well weekend, me. so people can, you know, they can make their planning plans accordingly. Yeah. Um, last time we did it on a Friday, which I w- people came down, which was awesome, but this time you don't have to take off from work or anything and just come down on the Saturday. Um, we, it, it's looking like Stephanie will be there. We're going to fly her in oh, and, and stuff, so nice. that'll be awesome. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping to kind of, you know, it'll be our 200th episode, but I'm hoping, like, Every kind of show that we have kind of on the docket, we'll get a little bit of a segment to talk about their stuff and, you know, we'll joke around and stuff like that. And it'll be good times. You know, there'll be plenty of hangout yeah. time too afterwards. Yeah. Didn't we have people, we had people sit down last year or last time, the 100th episode where they, Join they us. joined us on the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian joined us definitely and, and, and stuff like that. Some Rob more guests. Sat down for Rob yep. sat down for a little while. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't Brendan come up? Did Brendan come up? He yeah, did. Brendan he came, came up yep. and he asked a question. Yeah, Brendan came up and asked a question. It's funny. He and I went over questions he was allowed to ask before he <laughs> showed up. Thing. Like, don't make a fool of me, man. I do that every week. I don't need you adding, adding to the list. <laughs> it was it was fun. And we'll, we'll do it again. You know, last time we kind of like, it was tough to kind of hang out afterwards because it's a very small place and there's a lot of people. But this time we'll be able to just hang out. We'll, yeah. More free flowing. Yes. And we'll do it more yeah. afternoonish and stuff like that. So, you know, we could stretch for hours uh, and yeah, hours yeah. and hours. The show won't stretch for hours and hours and hours, but the, the event will stretch for hours. Let's put it that a way. A mosaic. A mosaic of stuff. Um, but yeah. So that's going on that. Let's. Uh, I'm going to talk about a rumor. It's probably going to be disproved by the time this podcast comes out, but it was a pretty cool rumor. That's a, yeah. Um, so the new rumor, and take us for a grain of salt, uh, but it is that uh, Angelina Jolie, which has been a rumor for a while, will direct a Captain Marvel movie. We know that um, Marvel has been courting her heavily to direct something. She directed the Captain Marvel movie with Charlize Theron uh, mm-hmm. in the lead as, as Carol Danvers. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bob, what, what do you think about that? I'm still on the Katie Sackhoff train, mm-hmm. let me be honest. But Charlize Theron Theron? Theron? Theron. I, I always say, I say th- Theron. I always say Theron. I don't Theron. know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if it's right. Charlize. Sounds we'll fast. just go yeah. with Charlize. Charlize is money. Yeah. just one of the best actresses in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Off a huge movie. Does both critically acclaimed artsy things young adult you know certainly and does great blockbuster stuff roller coaster popcorn movies i am so excited i'm spelling my clipboard here's the deal (laughs) here's the deal for me we were going to get a great captain marvel movie it seems like one way or the Mm -hmm. other these a-list sort of people make this now something more 
than a comic book movie. It mm-hmm. puts this into A-list heaven. You're <laughs> now into a movie that's an event beyond us. Mm-hmm. And even beyond the regular audience for comic book movies, mm-hmm. which is nearly everybody based on the kind of numbers it's pulling in. It's incredible. For what, what it could do for this character and, and female-led films, brilliant. Just mm-hmm. If this can come off, they can pull this off. Apparently, it's because of their friendship. Yeah, that's what I heard as well. So that, you know, sometimes people give a hometown discount to their friends, and all <laughs> of a sudden, her $20 million a picture becomes, I'll take five. Yeah. Well, Marvel's and not giving ta- anybody $20 million a picture unless it's Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> um, she, I, she's up there. Yeah, but I know. As, but as an initial do. thing in a contract, not going to happen. No. But points on this, points, being yeah. this one, and yes. all of a sudden, okay, but this is going to make $500 million. Mm-hmm. You'll make it up later. Yeah. Back end, it's all there. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Katie, but this is, this is pretty big. <laughs> uh, I'm in. Yeah. What do you think, Steve? Well, I am definitely uh, climbing aboard the Charlize train over mm-hmm. the Katie Sackhoff train. Um, I'm not all t- too familiar with Katie Sackhoff, but Charlize Theron and I have had a thing for <laughs> a number of years. Uh, I believe I've, se- I've seen her in a bunch of stuff, but the first time that I really took notice of her is in a movie that not a lot of people like, but I do, called The Astronaut's Wife mm-hmm. with Johnny Depp, where he's he comes back from a space trip and he's kind of weirded out and it turns out that he's like there's an alien inhabiting his body and it's trying to populate the earth and so on and so forth and she not only is she stunningly gorgeous but she has a way of just capturing my attention and i i I hang on what she does she was absolutely amazing as uh imperator furiosa in mad max I mean, everybody's going to be looking at that role and say, mm-hmm. you know, how could you not make her Captain yeah. Marvel? Uh, I like the idea that they may, if this happens, that they would go with a bit more of a uh, mature Carol Danvers as opposed to, you know, we're going to go super young so we can stretch you out from a whole bunch of movies. Bob pointed it out to me in the car that if she's going to be Carol Danvers and she's going to be, what is her position again? She's a colonel in the Air Force. Okay. Mm-hmm. Colonel in the Air Force. You, you kind of have to have experience for that you need to look the part you need to look like you've earned that Mm -hmm. through time and putting your time into the service and stuff and i just don't know that i would buy that with like you know hot fresh forever 21 actress plus it's Charlize their own if i didn't mention that before (laughs) um as far as angelina jolie i've never seen anything that she's directed well she's only directed one thing and it came out last year and it was i mean it got good reviews it didn't get great reviews but Mm -hmm. Uh, unbro- unbreakable, unbreakable, mm-hmm. unbroken. I don't remember. What unbroken, unbroken. It's unbreakable. Unbro- unbreakable, unbreakable is, is yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. Right. Um, uh, unbroken. I believe it's yeah. called. Uh, it was a biopic. Um, and it did. You know, it got good reviews. It, mm-hmm. uh, and her direction was generally well lauded. I mean, she's not very, super experienced, but uh, she definitely has some experience. Well, I mean, this like the star power alone mm-hmm. that she would lend to that. How many people she would have in her corner? You know, helping her with things and and. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure she can handle it all on her yeah, own. Yeah. But as far as the the support system that she would have for making something like that, I think that people would be very excited for her and say, like, you know, whatever you need to make this movie mm-hmm. that you want to make it, you know, we'll make it happen. Yeah. Kind of thing. She's Angelina Jolie. Yeah, she's, absolutely. You know, she's one of the biggest names in, you know, she's like the Beyonce of Hollywood, <laughs> if you will. Yes. I think Beyonce is the Angelina Jolie of the music industry. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Sit down, Madonna. <laughs> um, <laughs> While we drink Blonde Ambition Summer yes. Ale. Yeah. Ah, that's right. The Blonde Ambition Tour. My mother yes. and my sister went to that. They also went to George Michael. 
There was a lot of hip shaking <laughs> and torn jeans. Uh, I think it's very cool. I mean, you know, I, I think that it she she falls along. I think pretty much around the same age as Robert Downey Jr. was when he yeah started Iron Man. I, I believe she's in her early forties. I, I believe must be yes. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, if she's not forty, she might. Uh, and, and you know that that goes against a lot of what superhero movies tend to do uh what, what big blockbuster movies tend to do but i mean look she's a great actress and i think that she'd be great in the role um you know her her age is the only reason i i <clears throat> and believe me her age is nothing for a person she's, she's 39 not, she's 39 yeah uh, she's not old <laughs> at oh. all um and i think she's only a couple years older than katie sackoff is um but uh i would expect them to go with somebody 20 Nine thirty. That's what I would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but that—that's what I expect them to do. That's not. I would love them to pick Charlize yeah. Theron. Uh, she's a great actress, and you know, I think a lot of this rumor is coming off of Mad Max. I think a lot of it is coming from the fact that she's so notable in that movie, and people are so high on her right now because of that. And mm-hmm. I mean, but that's great. I mean, she she plays a great role in that movie, and she she looks mm-hmm. she looks yeah. like the character. You know, she obviously has the chops to do it. So yeah, there, I've seen some shots today where, from Prometheus, mm-hmm. you know, wearing sort of a flight suit. And you, yeah, okay, if I color that in red, right. <laughs> it would look just like Carol. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll tell you this: if a fever for the Furiosa character gets us Charlize Theron as Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. I uh, can yeah. think of no better thing to jump off of yeah. than that. You know, go. Like, oh, she only got it. Shut up. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Um, It'll help erase Eon Flux, which I love as a guilty pleasure, but... Oh, the Liquid Television cartoon was so, so much good. So yeah. good. The movie, not so much. But no. you know what? It has its moments. Wasn't there a character that was hopping around that had feet for hands? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so it, and it also seems that uh, the Spider-Man stuff is kind of coming to a head now. Apparently, oh. they're testing, final testing for actors in Atlanta right now where they're shooting Civil War. Um, because you know wh- whoever um, gets cast Spider-Man will be in Civil War, and uh, apparently it's happening with Kevin Feige and you know and and the Sony people and with uh, Joe and Anthony Russo because obviously it's their movie. So um, Azza Butterfield seems to be still one of the main contenders there. Um, I believe his name is I can't remember his name. Is Tom Holland. I can, the other kid's name I can't remember his name. Um, is, is the one of the other people who who's really in the running for it. Um, and they've also narrowed down directors for the Spider Man movie. Well, that's even more important. And they have Here a list, go. but um, the t- the two biggest ones they have, and they're looking towards like kind of comedy directors. Um, Jonathan Levine, who did um, oh God, what's it called? The Wackness, which was his kind of breakout movie, just a little indie movie. Hmm. Um, he also did Warm Bodies, that oh, okay. kind of zombie movie oh. with Nicholas Holt. Uh, and uh, I can't remember that movie he did that that people really like. I'll, I'll look it up in a second. And uh, Ted Melfi, who just did St. Vincent with Bill Murray that just came out. So they're looking more people who can like handle the kind of um, day-to-day uh, kind of comedic elements of being a kid over kind of the action elements, which I think is obviously the right choice because... Um, you can you can figure that stuff out. Yes. Uh, yeah, the other half you can't. Yeah, no. You, you, it's much harder to nail the personal stuff. There's plenty of consultants and people who can come in to help you with the action to make it awesome. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Did you hear Sofia Coppola walked off of The Little Mermaid? What? No, I did not hear that. Aww. Tragic. <laughs> Tragic. I, I like Sofia Coppola, but... I do too. Uh, oh, 50-50 is another one that Jonathan Levine did. The Seth oh, Rogen. I loved that yeah, movie. Yeah, I love that movie too. So, 
That movie was so sad, but I loved it. Yeah, you should see the uh, the Wackness if you haven't seen it. It's really good. I remember the name. Yeah, I've never seen the movie, but I do recall the name. Re- really good movie. So we'll we'll see what happens. You know, we don't we don't know what's gonna come of that, and they've been talking about it for a while. But it seems like they're in the middle of filming Civil War, so they're gonna they have to pull the trigger on something relatively soon. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's movie what's going news. on there. Yeah, movie news. An uncomplicated note. Apparently, after Spectre, Sony has to rebid for the rights to Bond. Oh. Yeah, so it could go somewhere else after. Uh-oh. Hmm. I don't think it will. I think that, you know, I think MGM is going to stay pretty pat with Sony unless they're ready to put movies out by themselves again, but I don't think they are. I think no. they're more of a production company at this point than anything else. They're not yeah. really a studio anymore. They're going to need every franchising at their hands on, so yeah, yeah why, not, why let that one go? Yeah. Biggest of all, I guess? I mean, it's one of the biggest, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, for how long it's been coming out, yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. That, I love I'm much looking forward to a new Bond movie. We walked out of Skyfall going, can mm-hmm. I see this again? Yeah. Can I see another one tomorrow? And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm all for this one. Yeah, and the little, the little trailer, the teaser trailer they put out looks great. Yeah. It looks like Skyfall again. So, yeah. I mean, it's still Sam Mendes? Still Sam Mendes. Oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much longer Craig's going to be Bond, but he, he only has one mark, bad mark on his... Quantum. On his, yeah, Quantum. <sighs> it's, not, it's, wait, the, it's not even close to one of the worst. No. But it's just kind of the problem with Quantum of Solace. Little Bond aside here, yeah. um, is that it feels too much like another action movie. It feels it doesn't have any. It feels more like they're like, oh, well, the Born Identity is really big right now, so let's make a movie that's kind of like the Born Identity. It's very, very fast cuts, very a lot of cameras running at the same time, and there's nothing wrong with that style. It just didn't really feel like a Bond um. movie to me, and. I mean, there's some great scenes in that movie. That the kind of opera house scene where it's completely silent. The acting scene is great. Um, some of the car chases are good, and Craig is always good. But you know, it just it felt a little bit more like a mess than, than the other ones mm-hmm. had, than, than Casino Royale felt. Also, kind of Casino Royale 1.5. Yeah, yeah. It's the continuation and mm-hmm. finish off of that story. And I would have loved some of those elements, but not. It's the whole movie. Yeah, and, it was. It's a shame because I when they when they announced like, oh, it's going to continue the story of Casino Royale, I was very excited. Because I was like, that's cool. They don't really ever do that in, in Bond movies. But it just, it seemed to hamper it more than, and then, look, the guy who put the bad guy, I love, I think Matthew Almarack is his name, something like that. I'm getting it wrong, but it's something like that. He was the star of Diving Bell and the Butterfly. I love him as an actor. Yes. Um, and I like the idea of, like, someone not physically imposing as Bond's kind of nemesis. But, you know, and while his plot was very plausible as a nefarious plot in the real world, which is like, I'm going to take all the water. It was like, <laughs> In a Bond movie, it was like okay, like it's yeah, not it's not too, not that scary. Like I understand it's scary in real life, but it's hard to like contextualize it in in this movie. Yeah. Where's some missiles? Where's some atomic bombs? Yeah. Where's some good stuff? Exactly, exactly. But Skyfall, I think, redeemed yeah. it completely and went totally different way. It redeemed it in a completely different way than I feel like Casino Royale did. You know, it, it went very different. It went, you know, it, it, it was funny because it, it's it, it both leaned on the tropes more, but also went away from them more. Mm-hmm. It kind of made his character someone who was a man out of time which which was not something they had done b- b- before um and i, I liked that a, a lot about it and he still embraced the old bond yes there are moments where he, he's got the his superhero outfit he's got a tuxedo mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. and it's oh that's that's connery again we're coming yeah. back to this yeah. oh so great when he when he at the very beginning when he's that that train scene where he like lands on the train and he fixes, fixes yes. his cufflinks yeah. and the yes. train's <laughs> on. it's a great moment it's a great bond moment <laughs> Yeah, I had never really been a Bond fan until until the Craig ones. Um, I just I had never really grown up with them. My parents didn't watch them very often, and I had seen I had really liked the first one. I think I'd ever seen was 
Oh God, what's the the first gold? Golden Eye. Golden Eye. Golden Eye was the first one. one. I ever, it's a very yeah. good one. I liked that one, I, and I, then I liked them a little bit less. Each one of them. <laughs> That's reasonable to say. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the world is not enough. Is that the second one? No. That's the third one. Tomorrow never dies. Tomorrow never dies. Yeah. The second one, which was okay. Good, cool, cool, some cool action stuff. The world is not enough, and die another day. Are, oh, are die both another day horrible. is one of the worst in the series. I, I, the world is not enough. The, the the it's like it's like the same thing as Denise Richards playing like an astrophysicist or whatever yeah, she yes. is in that movie. Nuclear scientist. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Tara Reid playing one in in that Alone in the Dark movie they made. Oh, yes, God. it's just a ridiculous Her, thing. Boy. Like the you know. Uh, they just don't seem like smart people. <laughs> Boy, I remember someone wanted me to watch Alone in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Not for the movie, but because there was some Icelandic rock band okay. doing songs in it. It was one of my customers at, at the old video store. <laughs> so it's like, okay. So I watched the music video of, mm. uh, I forget what, Night Witch, I think they're mm. the name of the band. <laughs> I think that's the name. You have to you'll look at, Steve I'll will look go, it up look and it figure up. it out. So I'm now trying to watch, it's Christian Slater. Christian Slater, yeah. Right. So I'm watching this movie, just to get to the music scenes, I'm watching it on Speed Search, mm-hmm. and I still fell asleep. <laughs> That's how bad Alone in the Dark. It's a UA Bowl joint, right, I think? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. The yeah. worst director ever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, Dying Their Day is so bad. Oh, my God. Dying Their Day was such a bad movie, too. Oh, really, really bad movie. And But I've gone back and watched some of the older ones. Like, I, I really like... Um, uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, my second favorite after Goldfinger. Great one. I I, I haven't seen Goldfinger. Um, <gasps> I watched uh, From Russia with Love. Oh, awesome. Goldfinger's great. Which I absolutely I adore From Russia with yeah. Love. And I watched both of the Dalton ones. Yes. Which I really loved the first one, and the second one I liked. Didn't love it as much. I'm but the I, other way around. Oh, really? Yeah. I License loved, to I, Kill is one of my favorites. I love him as Bond, though. Yeah. Um, no, they wanted him. We're a whole Bond. We thing, are. Now, a Bond but what thing the right hell? Now. Yeah, yeah. They wanted him after Connery left. They wanted him for Majesties. Right. And he was in the Royal Shakespeare Company. And he mm-hmm. went, I'm too young. Mm-hmm. I've got no business playing James Bond at yeah. this point. And they came back around to him. And first one was half a Roger Moore script, Living okay. Daylight. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the second one is just for him. And that ties back into Majesties and so many mm-hmm. other things. And it's just a gritty. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a progenitor, really, to where they would go with Craig. It's absolutely. When you watch the, the Dalton Bonds, you're like, well, this is like. This is the Daniel. This is Daniel Craig. They just people weren't into it then. They weren't ready yet, and they were ready to come C- coming off more. of Roger Moore. Yeah, yeah, that was not what people wanted. And then the, when they did the, we'll, we'll get up on right yes. now after this. When they when they went to Dalton though, before they went to Dalton, didn't they go to Brosnan? No, but they went to him, but he couldn't get out of his rimming the steel contract. Right, right, yeah. So that's, so it's funny how that kind of happens. Yeah. Um, and I'm definitely for the next one. I'm definitely on the Idris Elba train for the next Bond if they if they get there. I think that would be cool. Hmm. Nightwish. 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 Yeah. Nightwish. And let me tell you, anybody that's got the time, go and check out Tara Reed's IMDB photo. It is a <laughs> riot. Everybody's got these like nice headshots and them at like, you know, award ceremonies out on the red carpet. She's at the beach in this bikini with like everything <laughs> flying to and fro. It's awful. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Uh, the mighty? She was she was mighty for like a day. Yeah. American Pie time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, she dated the pie fucker. Yeah, she did. <laughs> but what you sh- what everyone should do, speaking of weird bands, I don't remember the band, oh, but wait, no, look up it. the Grant Morrison video that Steve tweeted today. Yeah. Uh, the, where he is in some music video for some like electronica rap group. Wow. And he, I... he's dancing and like casting spells. 
It's amazing. They're going to be, I'm telling you, man, they're going to be bringing like the Zion raves from the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's going to be sponsoring it. They're going to make it a big thing. And it's going to be that band with Grant Morrison. I love, it's so outrageous. It is. It's so outrageous. Him like, just like imaginary puppets and crystal ball readings and the faces he makes and the the panning into oh my god it's epic it's so <laughs> yeah. epic. we should put it in the show notes yeah we should it's oh yeah so definitely. Good. yeah, yeah. Now, so I, good. I read on the internet oh don't tell goodness. me when i went on there uh, i think it's a tie into multiversity if you don't watch that video you can't understand multiversity Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it gave me That's a so really funny. good hearty gut laugh this afternoon <laughs> I loved it. I watched it like three times. So um, good. Speaking of show notes, if I just want to read this out, I, I think we all got this email, but um, or uh, email, but uh, this uh, Jason wrote in for a, a please help save Death Vigil email. Oh, uh, I, um, which is it's low sales. It's in trouble. Um, uh, Stepan Sejic. Stepan Sheish. Sheish. Stepan Sheish. Uh, <laughs> put put up. He has. Every single issue that's out so far up on his DeviantArt page so wow. people can read it. And we'll, I'll put the link in the show notes if I remember. I Hopefully I'll remember. You'll know if I remember it or not if you're listening to this right now. Um, and you can download and read them for free. And then hopefully if you like them, buy them and keep, try to keep the comic alive. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe um, issue eight is coming out very soon. Um, and then the trade will be out, I believe, in a couple of months, I, I think. Um, hmm. So... You know, if you read the series and love it, you know, buy a couple issues digitally or, or, or what have you. Support him. Um, an interesting discussion with uh, uh, Maria Norris today on, on Twitter because we were t- she asked me if I had read the Infinity Gauntlet, which I'll talk about in my my uh, lightning round. And she brought up Death Vigil and we kind of went into it about a series. And I think honestly, a lot of the a lot of the I think if it had come out, and again, I think it's very much tied in right to the kind of Top Cow universe stuff. But I feel like that's kind of also what hurt it a little bit because when I saw it was a Top Cow book, you know, when I look at the list, I just yeah. kind of, it kind of ignored it, you know, because I'm like, I don't really get into that universe of, of books, and and uh, and when people started saying it was great, it kind of took me by complete surprise, and I think, I think it's a book that's been largely ignored, whereas I feel like if it was just you know, kind of mainline image or one of the other publishers. Not gonna, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't probably exist if it was one of those other ones, but it would have gotten a little more attention than yeah. it has. But if, um, Bob has read it. And he, I, read, he, I read it. I yeah. did a book of the week yes. or a lightning round. I forget yeah. which one. It was issue six. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. And I picked it up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trades are coming. Uh, his other work, people now know from Rat Queens. Mm-hmm. It's just really a brilliant artist, great storyteller and doing the right thing. And that's to be celebrated. Yeah. So let's uh, hope we can help out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, I'll put the link in the show notes to his DVR page. Check it out. And if you like it, go, uh, go, pick, go pick it up. Cause yeah. and the people who love it really love it. And they, they really want it to go on for, for very good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I'm going to get the timer up here so we can, uh, say we actually mm-hmm. sound different. Oh yeah. We should, yeah. we should say that. Um, uh, so thanks to the Patreon people, um, for supporting us. We are sporting new mics tonight. Woo! Oh yeah. Um, so we might sound a little different, and and, and uh, still getting used to the level. So if the level sounding a little weird. That's probably why, because we're still getting, you know, we've been using the same mics for three years mm-hmm. plus. But now we're all rocking uh, really nice, sweet mics. Um, that's, I like my new one. That sound great. Um, and so thank you so much, to the Patreon people, for for helping us out there. Um, we have other big news coming soon. We hear it yeah. next week. Next week, we've got some more big news. It's pretty awesome. For you folks, uh, which is pretty cool. Things are happening. We need to play the Jefferson's theme. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's all happening. Um, I'm trying to find the timer. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Steve, I'm going to start with you, so get ready. Yay. You have no notes this week. Nope. It's different than Winging usual. Winging it. Let's do it. I, with no notes, I'm going to say you're probably going to get close to going over your time. Oh, I'm definitely going to go okay, over my I'm time gonna tonight. Guess. Yeah. I'm going to guess. Let's, let's do it right now. All right, and go. All right, so the first book on my list is The Mantle from Ed Brisson and uh, art by Brian Level and colors by Jordan Boyd. Uh, a couple of people had wondered why we didn't bring this up a few weeks ago. It's because I've been out of the house and we're <laughs> bringing it up now. Um, everybody knows from the last couple of months that I am a huge Ed Burson fan uh, between Sheltered and Cluster. And now he's got another book called The Mantle. And it is pretty damn awesome in that it doesn't fall into a lot of the trappings of your usual superhero books. Um, you've got this guy, he's out with his girlfriend, they're at a party at a club, and they're watching a band, and the band sucks, and they just want to go home and go and do something else, or maybe find another party to go to, and he decides to eat an eighth of mushrooms oh. before leaving the club, because that's always, you know, what you want to do yeah. on a rainy night in the middle of the city, and so they're kind of walking around, and he needs to take a little bit of a break, they're sitting around trying to figure out what to do, and all of a sudden, this, like, multicolored fluorescent lightning starts creeping its way up through uh, like two trucks, like Terminator style, and engulfs him in this like crazy mind trip of him reliving the lives of several different uh, superheroes, all dubbed the Mantle, and they've all died. So he's experiencing all of these superhero deaths within one thing, and then wakes up in his girlfriend's apartment and comes to find out by way of three other superheroes that he has now become the mantle. He is the next uh, big superhero. The limits of his power are only limited by his imagination. So he's like the Green Lantern of superheroes. He can do whatever he wants to do. Unfortunately, there's a very, very big bad that doesn't like the idea of a mantle being around ever uh, and has come to Earth to kind of take care of business and things don't necessarily go the way as planned. Uh, I'll leave it at that. It is absolutely awesome if you guys like superhero stuff and you don't, you're not doing the Marvel or DC thing and you want to check something out from Image, certainly check out The Mantle. Uh, Ed Brisson's been killing it since last year and into this year. He's an amazing writer. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, my next book I want to talk about is called Sithra, Kingdom of the Air. And this is actually from Jason Brubaker. Jason Brubaker is a guy that worked for DreamWorks and decided just to up and quit his job and do um, graphic novels full-time. His artwork is kind of um, Scotty Young-ish, if you will. Really brilliant colors, really, really playful art. Um, Sithra is about a girl named Nirvana Page who is living in this kind of this like alternate world with her father and the two of them are sort of running from something. And so they hop in the family um, like biplane and get caught. What are you laughing at? Are you serious? Yes. yes. You're full of shit. That wasn't three minutes. <laughs> yes, it was. Ah, uh, whatever. Uh. Sithra's really hard to find. It's 20 bucks. Go <laughs> buy it. You gotta be kidding me. That could you not. You talked have... for two minutes about the first book. <sighs> I had a whole other book to talk about. <laughs> well, you can talk about it. I'll talk about it. And okay. You can talk that'll about be, it. that'll be there your you book yeah. of the week. You can finish yeah. up your thoughts on, on the Brubaker book. Though. I don't want to. Okay. Oh, no, no, I really, no, I really do. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going over my time. I knew it was going to happen. That did not feel like three minutes. It was. All right. Well, now I've wasted a whole <laughs> I spent other a minute. Oh. I spent a minute of it getting the beers while you were talking, so... <laughs> I, I'm not... I'm, I'm, see, I'm back in the room. Yeah. Causing trouble. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, just wait till next week. <laughs> Where is he? Uh, anyway, yeah. So Sithra Kingdom of uh, Kingdom of the Air. Uh, a couple months back, I actually talked about a series, uh, volumes one and two, called Remind. Uh, so this is that same creator. And um, like I said, it's about a girl named Nirvana Page who gets into a biplane with her father. Uh, a storm happens, and the father gets a feeling that the plane is going down. And he essentially he asks, you know, do you have your parachute on? And she says yes. And he just basically boots her out of the plane plane explodes she falls down uh into these fields and is greeted by this kind of otherworldly creature that is uh kind of skittish but is is welcoming at the same time with a nice hat with a very nice hat she doesn't know where she is um we're not quite sure if she's still in the same world uh as the one before and now it's become a quest of this little girl and this uh, kind of mythical being or creature um, searching for her lost father. And, you know, for those of you listening to the podcast, you know, a quick little story about this. Um, my girlfriend's uh, father passed away just about two weeks back. And so I go to the comic shop for some like comic book therapy because that's what I do whenever I'm sad as I go and I buy stuff. And so I go to Heroes and I find this on the new releases shelf. And I'm like, oh, Jason Brubaker, I love this stuff. I'll go and I'll check it out. And so she comes home from like her first day back at work. You know, a big emotional day, flowers and hugs and all this shit. And I'm like, you got to see this book I bought. It's beautiful. And I'm opening up the pages and I'm like, look at it. Isn't it pretty? And I turn to this big double page spread of Nirvana landing in the field with her parachute open and just in giant letters, crying in tears, screaming, oh. dad, oh, man. with an exclamation to question mark. And I just went, I looked up at her. She says, really? Really? <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't know. That's why I'm she's broad. So right. sorry. And she's like, dude, that is so messed <laughs> up. I'm like, I was so proud of myself for this purchase. <laughs> and, and this is what I get. Put it right into your suitcase and bring it home. Oh, uh, but I read it. Do. You can read it in, in 10, 15 minutes. It's very short. It's book one of, of a series, but it's, it's wonderful and it's touching and it's, uh, it's written in very much a storybook format as opposed to straight um, dialogue boxes and bubbles mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, much more of a fable, fairy tale type of presentation than a straight graphic novel. How do you spell it? I'm going to look up if it's available digitally. It is S-I-T-H-R-A-H. Sithra by Jason Brubaker. Gotcha. I read it before we came on and it was marvelous. Yes. It was charming and funny and adventuresome and whimsical yeah and and yet real at once uh really really lovely i was a little annoyed that it didn't end because i wanted closure but i'm happy to see that it's going to continue yeah because now that we have this little jeep character whoever he is with the hat i want to see what he does hmm. like look, look at this page. this is the page that i opened up to come on great like good job steve <laughs> good job Dark giant rain clouds and a poor little kid strapped under Seriously, into a parachute. Like, like she wasn't having a hard enough day already. And then I open up this page, Dad. Yeah. I'm like, oh uh. shit. I'm like, maybe she didn't see it. <laughs> you couldn't miss that. I know. I felt From horrible. Like counties away, you could have. Seen I didn't know. I never I opened know. the book before. But anyway, is it's it? a great book. Yes, it is. You should totally read it. <laughs> Just be careful who you show it to. Yeah. <laughs> Such oh, a man. jerk. Oh, man. All right. We got three minutes on the clock for Bob. We're still together, though. All right. That's good. Go. Oh. <laughs> All right. Bob, ready? 
Lightning round, go. Well, Red Sonja 16 came out this week, uh, and this issue wraps up the No Forgiveness arc with a story that begins with Red Sonja's death. But, you know, since that's Sonja, she doesn't go very quietly, but instead battles an avatar of death in her own kingdom. Now, as usual, for Gail Simone and Walter Giovanni, slabs of humor and heart, lots of adventure. His artwork here, maybe the best he's done in this series, and, and great colors, by the way, three colors, Adriano Lucas, Alex Guimares and Marco Lesco. <laughs> and so if, if this probably will be end the last trade of this and before we go on to next well, so Red Sonia. Uh, now, two of my Convergence miniseries wrapped up, Convergence Crime Syndicate and Convergence JNSA, leaving me with very different feelings. Crime Syndicate struck me as sort of, yeah, it's a battle issue that I feared all these Convergence things would be. And by the time we got to the end, I didn't really particularly care. I was just hoping for more, especially that the first issue mm-hmm. was really so good. I talked about it and loved it. And the second issue was, yeah, a bunch of people beat mm. themselves up. Who cares? However, J- JSA, on the other hand, fabulous story and characterizations. Dan Abnett, uh, art by Tom Derenick, just a great celebration of the real Earth 2 and the original Justice Society. Uh, Dr. Fate, Flash, Hawkman, Green Lantern, they're all brought back to youthful vigor one last time because all they can do to do what they need to do. And it's still, it's a wonderful thesis about these Earth 2 superheroes and the Golden Age. And if it's a little bittersweet because we may never see them again because I don't know where we're going with Earth 2, it's this last bargain on the table and just spectacular. Now, Steve's lightning round book and, and mine uh, and thanks to Stephanie for pointing this out as we started with a webcomic. It's Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. Yeah. And I have more notes on this than I have on anything else. But I just say, I only read some of this starting in, and when Steve was going to talk about it, I just went nuts with this. It is just beautiful and touching and funny and sad. It's about a young girl in a world that's sort of both medieval and modern at once because it's television and cell phones and supervillains. She goes up to the world's biggest supervillain, and I'm going to be your new sidekick, the agency sent me. Yeah. And she does all sorts of bizarre things to get under his skin and into his life. She's a shapeshifter, can do all sorts of wonderful things, and underscores all the stupidness and tropes of comic books, but celebrates them at the same time. And it's just lovely. If you loved Superhero Girl, mm-hmm. if you loved... Anything that sort of Lumberjanes, which Noel Stevenson wrote, yep. jump on Nimona. It's a lovely hardcover at only $17. The paperback is only $15 for the trade. Pick it up. You'll absolutely love it. Oh, it's positively amazing. The relationship shared between the characters is second to none. Yeah. Um, there's a couple in particular that I was really, really touched by. And just whimsical and funny as hell all the way through. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. You guys can talk more about Nimona if you both want to talk about it. There's anything else you want to say? Um, what can Wait, I, I don't want to spoil too much because there's a couple of really interesting switches. Mm-hmm. The action sequences are brilliant, but so are sitting around talking about we're going to order pizza scenes. Yeah. Uh, if you like a Hark of Vagrant, that sort of quietness is interscored with... There's yeah. a, there'll be a big... Out of a quiet scene, there's a big something going on. Yeah, I mean... For me, the the book was very much uh, about breaking stereotypes, you know, breaking the stereotype mm-hmm. of the supervillain, and like they, he talks a lot about, um, was it Black 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 Blackheart Blackheart, um, Ballister Lord Ballister Blackheart. Yeah, he talks a lot. Biggest about, name in supervillainy. <laughs> like there are rules, 
And Nimona's like, what are you talking about rules? You're the biggest supervillain. You shouldn't have to abide by rules. He's like, no. He's like, you know, nobody you, nobody dies. I don't right. like it when people you die. You can't turn yourself into a dragon and kill 400 people. Right. <laughs> so he, you know, he meets this, this little girl who idolizes him and wants to be a part of this world. And what they learn from one another... And like I said, it's it's so much about the relationships, how this, you know, it becomes this father-daughter thing, how uh, Arch Nemesis is like, there's an old friendship there and how it's it's coming back because you have to unite against the bigger bad. And like I said, breaking, breaking stereotypes in yeah. just taking co- things that you usually find in comics and kind of turning them on their ass and saying it doesn't always have to be this way and isn't it nicer for just this once, if we do it like this instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stuff is very, very obvious while being seamlessly written into the story, and it feels natural. And back when we were, when Stephanie first brought this to our attention, and you had said this, Bobby, like you can really see the growth of Noelle Stevenson's, both her writing and her art. I mean, it's crazy. From the, If you look at the first page of the book and the last yes. page of the book, yeah. you, it looks like a totally different book. Like, even, like, the yeah. like, like the positioning of the bodies, mm-hmm. like how she learned to draw, like, arms in front of the body instead mm-hmm. of just, you know, posing straight out. Yeah. Like, the artwork was... It wasn't stiff because it was very highly mm-hmm. stylized and adorable and a little medieval and mm-hmm. really nice. But as you get into, like, some of the bigger animals and some of the bigger magics and bigger sciences that go on in the big battles, it goes from being this kind of like semi, you know, lots of personality, but stiff um, learning process to this fluid, gorgeous, you know, bombastic, like Disney, mm-hmm. Disney-like mm-hmm. ending with like Maleficent turns into the giant dragon and this, the whole city's on fire and, you know, yeah. th- I don't know, vials are exploding in like green gaseous fire and stuff like that. And it's just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, a, if nothing else, um, the her, the webcomic and the book and, and kind of her entire now beginning to her career mm-hmm. as a successful comic book writer um, and maybe artists at some point as well, is that she wasn't at her best when she started. But it's really important to just do it. You know, to just, if you if you have a story to tell, if you want to do something, don't worry. You're never going to be perfect. It's never going to be the point where you feel like, um, this is a, this, I'm exactly where I need to be and, I, and I'm never going to get better. You know, she was obviously learning. She, I, I think she was in school when she started doing it. So, yeah. um, just do it like and look where it can take yeah. you you know where i guarantee you by having a a tangible goal something that she wanted to get better at it made her mm-hmm. better yeah you know because you think like okay i want this comic to look better not this imaginary comic in my head that one day maybe i'll write this actual thing that i'm writing and putting out there mm-hmm. i want it to look better and that's it makes you a better person and it makes you a better artist and yeah and now she I mean, one of the breakout books of last year. She's she's uh, the the writer of. She's writing Runaways for for Marvel right now, and who knows where her career is going to go. From Lumber James was optioned for, yeah. I believe, a really? television show or a film. Yeah. yeah, wow, a film, a film. Okay, yeah, we, there was a couple of those. Wicked and Divine got optioned for a television show. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, she's going to be a super successful. She's already successful. She's going to just be more successful at this point. And mm-hmm. it was just because she decided on her own that she wanted to do something. 
Yeah. And she did it, and this is what came of it. It's going to sound a little lame, because I'm listening to myself in my head, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, you're going to sound really lame right now, but I don't care. (laughs) Um, It's very much uh, what I would consider to be like like a cocoon book, in that, you know... You start off in this cocoon and you watch it grow and as it breaks, you like you break into a butterfly by the end mm-hmm. of the book and very much that she's like this new hot writer and organizer of these books and she's very important in like the women's movement in comics and stuff like that. She's a big voice for that and everything. Mm-hmm. The Nimona, the process of it and the way that the book grows because it's a web series and because it was going on throughout, you know this kind of jumping off point in her career and in her life where she was getting, you know, all these offers and these jobs and stuff like that. It's a book very much that if you want to get in on the ground of who this, who this writer was before they made it to where they are now, this is the perfect thing to look at because this was their, you know, their passion project before it became the thing that broke them open for all these other opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. All right. Not lame. The butterfly effect. The butterfly effect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, ah, that was good. You, sh- you shush. <laughs> I won't take you for call. I won't drive you home. <laughs> this is a long walk in the rain. It is. All right, I got three minutes. I don't know if I'm going to need all three minutes, but uh, here we go. go. All right, so uh, like I said earlier, talking about uh, Marvel Unlimited, it's been a very big kind of Marvel week for me. Um, you know, I- it wasn't a huge uh, bye week for me as far as books that came out. So a lot of them end up being some Secret Wars tie ins that I end up checking out. So, like I mentioned, I've read the first couple issues of World War Hulk um, on Marvel Unlimited, and, and I've been enjoying it. You know, I, I, I'm not very far into it at all, but what I've read so far, I enjoyed. A um, couple other things. Uh, one thing that's not uh, Secret Wars tie-in, uh, I read a book called from... Um, God, I can't remember that... F- uh, it's called Providence from Alan Moore. Um, uh, Avatar is the name of the, the imprint. Uh, it's kind of his take on Cthulhu and stuff and Lovecraft stuff, and and it's interesting. It's a long book; it's like thirty six pages, um, so it's a it's a hefty book, um, but it, it's good. You know, it's got it's a it's it feels kind of old school as far as dialogue and stuff like that goes. But you know, it, I think it could be an inter- interesting series. So it, it's not like a hundred percent buy for me, but I think it's got some cool stuff uh, about it. And it definitely feels like. Um, you know, uh, uh, Moore is very invested in, in, in it as well. So that that's very, very cool. Um, but on to Secret Wars tie and stuff, Infinity Gauntlet, uh, number one, completely, it's been, Secret Wars is a very weird thing. The tie-ins are so weird because sometimes they are so completely tied into the series in which they're based off of. And sometimes they're just something completely different. And this is something completely different. We get um, the remnants of a world that have been destroyed since the incursion, there's been this kind of invasion of these kind of bug creatures that have left kind of people on the run, desperate and alone and, and kind of forcing. And we, we focus on this one family who's the, the mother in the family was a Nova core member and she flew off to go fight these bugs somewhere else and she never came back. So they figured that she's dead. Um, and this whole story goes along and you don't really see how it's related to the Infinity Gauntlet at all until the very end, which kind of comes back and does a great job of tying it in. Um, so different, not what I expected. I initially was very thrown off by that, but after reading it, I- I'm really interested to see kind of where it goes and-, and what it's about because there's some really cool characters that, that they've introduced here and-, and I think that it could lead to something very different than, than what mm-hmm. I'm expecting. Though I had this, th- this weird Secret Wars thing, I'm expecting, I don't know which Thanos this is because if it's the Thanos that came off the life raft in, in issue two, like does <laughs> yeah, he remember yeah. what's going I don't I don't know what's going on. No. So we'll, we'll have to see what, what's going on with that. Um, and uh, Modoc uh, Assassin, number one. Uh, 
crazy. It was kind of it was really really crazy. Modok is kind of he's not the leader of this this section that he's in, but he's kind of like the the the, the law in it. He's kind of the enforcer in it, and it was weird. It was crazy. Um, Baron Mordo is the leader of of, of this and that area. Is Clea and Clea. Um, and it was, it was cool. You know, it was funny. It had some interesting battle world stuff to it. And this idea of Modok as like this kind of badass, like kind of warden of this kind of villain world is, is very, very cool. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a cool book. It was a cool book. It was funny and and, and fun to read. So I'm interested to see where that goes. I did glance through Providence in the store being a Lovecraftian Mm. nut. And it's very dense, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be. I, I'm going to wait to see. The, how many issues do we know this? Is? I don't know. No, okay. I, don't know. I, I want to read this in a lump mm-hmm. because it doesn't really end anywhere particularly. No. It's kind of sort of is mm-hmm. there, but we're into really oddball stuff. We're talking about Robert W. Chambers and the, the yellow sign and the things that influenced Lovecraft himself, and mm-hmm. Lovecraft's in the book, and so is Robert Block. As mm-hmm. It's all these... If you're really into the history of Lovecraft and those pulp magazines, it's going to give you all sorts of brain aches. It's like, wait, no, that doesn't connect that way. But, well, we have to see where he goes. Yeah, yeah. And that could be a very interesting wrap-up as we get to that. So I was fascinated, but not enough to go month to month. But mm-hmm. I think this is something I'd pick up. Yeah, I, you know, I was... Um, there's a little... Uh, Rob didn't get in uh, Sons of the Devil into the into the shop, so... Um, I ended up picking it up digitally, and when I was kind of cruising through the comicsology store, there was a couple books. I was like, "Oh, let me just check that out. Let me check that." Out. I threw a couple on my cart. And one of them was Providence, mm-hmm. so I just, I just wanted to see what it was, what it was about because it had gotten it gotten really good ratings on comicsology as far as like user reviews and stuff like that. So I wanted to see you know what it was it all about. Look gorgeous. Who did the art on that? Oh, I can't remember his name right now. He's he's uh, he's collaborated with more before and like his more recent mm-hmm. work. I, I don't know if he was on Fashion Beast or not, but he was definitely a- around that time. Let me just go. I have the, I have the book right yeah, up here. But it had, so. some, it had some really lovely likenesses that were done pretty well, mm-hmm. which is not easy to do always, to, to get real people to sort of look like real people. But lots, just tons of atmosphere. It felt oppressive. Mm-hmm. Felt old. Yes. And, and, that and that's what I meant really by old special. school. It yeah. felt old. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was kind of trying to convey by that. It definitely, it, it, it felt old, which which is great. You want it to feel like yeah. that. Um, Jason Burroughs is, is the artist yeah. on the book. Uh, yeah. That was very impressive. Yeah. Colored by Juan Rodriguez and letters by Kurt Hathaway. So yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Um, we'll see. Nearly, many years ago, I nearly took a vacation to Providence to do a whole like Lovecraft walking tour. Oh, really? You should. Well, I, you found, should I, so found all, I found all the places that the stories were based on and, and wrote to the Providence Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. and had this whole thing planned down and then went, no, the planning of it is all I needed to do. I don't need to really go there. <laughs> Just plan it. That's now there's actually, a, I think there's a statue of Mr. Lovecraft up there huh. somewhere. Very cool. And a plaque on his house and... Very, the very fact cool. that he died broke in their city, <laughs> you know, forget <laughs> that. Um, all right, so that's it for our lightning round. So let's jump right into our books Ooh. of the week. Steve, what yes. do you got for us? Okay, so I found a book. It's called The Veil, and uh, this is not, was it Greg Rucka? Yeah, Veil. Was just, okay. Was just Veil. Okay, just Veil. This is The Veil. And it's by L. Torres, or The Torres. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, blah, blah, blah. Gabri- Wait, is it really L. Torres? Yeah, it is. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, L. Torres. And uh, G- Gabriel Hernandez, who is the current artist of Magneto, mm. and who also did the art for um, one of my favorite childhood books that Stephanie got for me in graphic novel form, which was The Thief of Always. 
So um, that'll just, you know, frame the, the art for you. Okay, here's the deal. Since we've been doing this podcast, I have read many a messed up book. <laughs> just bizarre, out there, terrifying. This book is terrifying. I put this down. I was reading this in the airport, and I finished it while I was waiting for my flight, and I just kind of put it back in my bag and sat there and just went, whoa. Hmm. Uh, It's a story about a uh, woman named Chris Luna or Christine Luna, and what happened to Christine is that she grew up in this town, kind of like this like podunk little whatever uh, backwater town, and there was a big train accident. Uh, that she happened to be on the train when it happened, and a whole lot of people died. She did not, but she almost did. She kind of went into, uh, she did what they call piercing the veil, where she ventured into the afterlife, but was revived and managed to come back. The only thing is, is that while she was spending time in this kind of, you know, purgatory twilight phase um, this uh, malevolent force uh, called the Slugman had actually latched onto her, and when she was brought back into the world, um, was only given like half of the opportunity to come back. So, as Chris comes back and she grows up, ever since the uh, train accident, she's able to very much like Haley Joel Osment, she can see dead people. And she talks to them, and she basically, she's a PI. So she uses, she talks to the ghosts of the dead people and goes around solving cases for, you know, bereaved families and, and things like that. Uh, so she gets a letter in the mail, and it says that her aunt has passed away and has left her her manor or her house inside of this town. But she has to go back. She has to clean it out, and she has to, you know, claim it. And, and just she could sell the property. She hasn't been getting that many cases lately. People have been skipping out on her, and she really needs it. So she has to go to the back to this place where all this horrible stuff happened. She never wanted to go back there. And she goes back, and it turns into this kind of like Twin Peaksy, weird ass town, uh, like Alan Wake, uh, mm-hmm. the video game yeah. kind of stuff. And I mean, like this slug man this 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 thing kind of like um a little bit of like joe hills nosferatu where there's this just this thing this legend this urban legend that's kind of brought into reality and it's a real thing and but it's so mysterious that nobody really believes it and it starts to the the town starts to turn on her and all these people start like losing their minds and this there's kind of this collective paranoia that begins to spread out from her and and infect the town and all these just like horrible things start coming to life and corrupting these people and people are killing each other in the streets and they're going after their families and the only way for her to kind of get out of the town and I'm mentioning a lot of things because it reminded me of a lot of things but if you guys have ever seen the movie In the Mouth of Madness oh I love that movie yeah very much being like trapped in the town. The town won't let you go until it's done with you kind of thing. And it becomes this story of her basically bringing the slug man out in order to kill him. Um, And it's just what happens inside the town as you're reading this book is really disturbing. If you don't have a strong stomach, if you're very sensitive to murder cases and the way in which people are dispatched, 
I can't wholeheartedly recommend that you read this book because some of it is very harsh, but it was the harshness of it that really grabbed my attention. And like, I had to put the book down like three or four times being like, Oh my God, like what the hell am I reading? But really, really compelling. It's only four issues long. It's a collected uh, trade that I found from IDW, by the way. And it was just awesome. Just awesome. Like completely transported me into this like horrible, horrible town where all these terrible things are happening. And I was like, how are they going to wrap this up? And instead of it being this cliched showdown of an ending, they like blow the lid off of even more lore about what's going on. And it, it like just catapults the story into being something so much bigger than what you were already satisfied with. And then gives you something like really heavy to chew on at the end. So, I mean, terrifying and wholly satisfying. Uh, I loved it. I mean, I, it's one of the best things I've read this year. It won't be up for any awards because it's old as hell. It's <laughs> like 2009 or something like that. Not that old. Ancient. It's oh. so old. It's so old. <laughs> How do you deal with such an old book? I know. But, I mean, the art is beautiful. That the, the art style really, really lends to, like, the nightmarish landscape. I mean, you guys can't see it, but these, mm. these guys can. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's really, really terrifying. The thing that's after her is just gross. And the things happening inside the town, all these all these people are, are coming after her and she's losing her mind. And it's just, it's super, super intense. Uh, if you're in the mood for a, you know, good rainy day read to freak yourself out, definitely check out The Veil from El Torres and uh, Gabriela Hernandez. It was uh, really disturbing. Cool. In, like, the best way possible. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I loved it. Staying on the happy train? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let me preface my remarks by saying, if you told me a year ago that one of my favorite books every month was Sabrina the Teenage Witch <laughs> in the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I'd have told you you were nuts. And yet every issue of this so far is Roberto Aguirre Sacasa and Robert Hack, letters by Jack Morelli, just delivers creepy, eerie stuff, and I'm using those words particularly because those old 60s and 70s horror magazines, it is right in that vein. It is not overtly gory or violent, except in ideas and tone, and it's oppressive at a certain level, and yet there's little bits of humor. There are throwbacks, because you got the ants and little oddball things, and it's a perfect little cocktail of nasty. Here, we're, we're, we're getting backstory. We're getting Sabrina's origin, if we have through these three issues. And he, we're now up to, it's about to be her 16th birthday. And as we learn in flashbacks, that's when it's a witch's baptism. Because they discovered years and years back in the Salem days, where if you do them when they're babies, the other people who aren't so into witches, well, they drown the kids and kill them and whatever. So now we sort of hide it. So their 16th birthday is their baptism where they can write their name in Satan's book. Their flashbacks to the witch trials and real real events of the time. And while this is going on, you know, Sabrina has a boyfriend. It's, you know, Harvey Kinkle, and we, we deal with all this. And Madam Satan's around, who's now the school drama teacher. And they're putting on Bye Bye Birdie. I mean, why not? You know, Ms. Porter and her oddball hair. And we even get a, a nice little... Backstory: We get a Ms. Uh, a Madam Satan story from the '40s thrown in for for good measure. 
<laughs> and I actually I downloaded one online <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and printed it out so we could read about it. What happens here, though, you get the preliminaries, and it builds up to this, there's a goat, and there's going to be a sacrifice in the woods, and it's Sabrina's baptism in blood and all the rest of it, and there's Satan, and stuff happens. Do you think I'm that not the, telling. do you think the library talks about you after you leave when you've you've cost them so much paper from no yeah yeah I pay for it no I absolutely pay for it no 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 you get ten free and after that it's a nickel but color ones are ten cents each my problem is when I print out stuff like this in color it has to go to the desk do you have so I have to walk up to the reference desk and they printed out you know a barefoot gen of the bombing of Hiroshima with kids faces melting Jesus. or you're Madam Satan and it's like oh yeah and I, but I did vote for your library budget right you like me right I voted yes you remember yeah I tend to uh, buy my baby drowning books on the side see that that's what you should do yeah. so uh, I, I don't want to spoil this you know will Sabrina become a servant of Satan you know what's going to become of Harvey and next issue is Harvey Horrors which is a lovely little in joke uh uh, Sakaza and Hack are just really killing, pun intended, with mm-hmm. this just over and over and over again. If you think you shouldn't be reading a book because it's Sabrina, if you loved Afterlife with Archie and that was very good, this is better. Whoa. Whoa. This is, this is Whoa. better. Whoa. This is better. Calm so, down now. That's, you got to be reading this one. If you're into horror and... I still haven't read the second different? issue. I need to go to uh, Fourth World to grab the third because I know that it didn't come into the, uh, yes. the regular shop. Oh, yeah, man. I got uh, two weeks, three weeks worth of books to pick up tomorrow. Oh, goodness. So, you have a wheelbarrow? Yeah. I'm going to have to make a, a pilgrimage. Luckily, I think the last two weeks were relatively light with the exception of a bunch of like... Last week was not light. Was, no. Wasn't? I mean, this week this week that we just... I guess it was last week That's now right. was, mm-hmm. oh, was, oh, was decent, but the week before that was pretty heavy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tie-ins galore. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Let me ask you a question before you go on to your book. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm doing this now, but I'm going to do it. If you had a friend that made a comic book mm-hmm. and it wasn't very good, yeah, how would you how would you approach that? How would I approach that? Honesty. Yeah, honesty. I mean, I mean, the thing is, like, I think that someone who's creative and someone who's your friend, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to put something out in the world. If you're not honest with them, someone else is going to be honest with them, and it's going to be way worse. Then if you do, and then if because you will not, you don't have to be mean. Don't be mean to them, mm-hmm. but be like, hey, you know, there are some issues with with, with what you have mm-hmm. here. Like, and these yeah. are what I think they are. He's a very talented dude. Mm-hmm. He has a multitude of art styles, which is not something that you always see from people. And it's like his his he has another he has another book that he's working on that I've seen the pages for, and the artwork is just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And then he has this other one that I got, and I was like. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he's showing it to you, he wants you to be honest with him. He doesn't want you to sugarcoat oh, I bought it. it. Yeah. I bought it. Oh, you bought it? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I bought oh. it. I bought it. Five dollars. Well, if it's already... I prefer that other style you use. Yeah. Maybe yeah. You could, that, yeah. that couches the criticism. Does he want your opinion on it? He'll, he'll ask the next time I see him. Maybe if he asks you, then it's just, offer it. It's funny because, you know, you. For people that like work in comics and they distribute comics and they've been reading comics for you know, 20, 25 years, you always assume that like they know the deal, they've read enough, mm-hmm. they know what works and what doesn't. And then like there's a difference between loving comics and reading a lot mm-hmm. versus actually being able to write them Absolutely, coherently. Is, yeah. 
And I think if he cleaned it up just a little bit in a few spots, that it might work better. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out like a good angle in which to to put it to him. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think that it, I think if he asks for your opinion, give him your opinion. You know. Yeah. Um. You know, like when people ask, you know, some of the other podcasts that we have on the the service, people will sometimes ask me like, "Oh, did you listen to the show this week? Like, what did you think? Like, what?" And I'll give them my actual opinion, and it's like it doesn't do any good for them for you to sugarcoat it because right. they're not, they wouldn't ask you if they wanted you to sugarcoat it they'd, they'd just be like they just ignore it or yeah. they'd wait for you to offer it's platitudes it's more mm-hmm. about one of those things one of those instances where you're instead of telling me show me yeah you know well, tell them that you said look i think you know i think that you you show a little you you tell a little bit too much yeah like trust trust your art you know yeah. trust that you know trust your storytelling your visual mm-hmm. storytelling and that's the thing you count you couch it in you know, um, almost like compliments, right? Like the compliment sandwich. Yeah, yeah. No, but not even That's that. Like you, con- it's a constructive. Criticism yeah, yeah. It's like your yeah. your art is great. Like, don't try to overdo it. Yeah. With words, because you're 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 you know you know where your strengths are. You're great visual storyteller. Let the let the visuals tell the story. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Now, I Steve knows this fellow. You may have seen him over at tour. Uh, I'm not going to get into the particulars <laughs> to, to identify there's a fellow who comes in here and there and everyone's sort of... There's a couple of them. Right. It was a customer in my at 112 video. And we were a rather arcane sort of video store. We had lots of regular stuff, but we were artsy-fartsy. And mm-hmm. with Alec Lowe, we'll have one of my ex-employees on here soon. <laughs> anyway, fellow rings to me this short story he wrote that he was intending to send off to Steven Spielberg because he knew that Spielberg was still accepting at DreamWorks, you know, unsolicited mm-hmm. merchandise and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So it's it's it's, it's, it's about the Loch Ness monster and it's it's this and this and when you well, kind of disproved that, but you know, whatever, mm-hmm. I'll I'll read this thing and it was one of the worst things I've ever read <laughs> by anybody. Every line of it was Mrs. Johnson. Mm-hmm. And he kept calling her Mrs. Johnson, their aunt. In every line, he had to keep the... It got... Yeah. A third of the words of the thing were reused mm-hmm. from something else. It never went anywhere. It made no sense. Scientifically, dramatically, as a movie, as a fantasy, it just... And it was... Okay, there was the germ of a really neat idea. The monster kidnaps kids and brings them under the water. So the, mm-hmm. the water kelpie kind of... Mm-hmm. There was some good stuff there. And I said, you know... I don't think this is a movie, but I think written the way it is, and this is a grown-up, and I was just, how do you say this? And mm-hmm. I, I just, just just saying, you just go for it. Yeah. I think written the right way, this could be a really great young adult or kid's book. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's something there that you could do, and it turns out he actually sold the thing that way, and he's brought it into the shop. Oh, well. And That's it fair. took him 10 years to do it, Yeah, and he, uh, whatever, I mean... Yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't acknowledge it. I <laughs> told him to do it. Yeah, but there there was something there to say mm-hmm. that yeah. was positive, even yeah. though it was negative. When it comes to critiquing writing, especially when I was in, when I went to college, I went to my undergrad was I majored in creative writing and very responsible, uh, uh, practical major, of course, creative <laughs> writing. Um, but we did this thing called workshopping, which that's how all their classes were. This was this kind of the philosophy of university, which was. You write something, you make a bunch of copies of it, and the whole class reads it, and then you basically sit like yeah, I did that. You too. sit in a circle basically, and everyone kind of critiques your thing as you go mm-hmm. around, they, and yep. they hand back their notes. Yep. And I think it's it's kind of an interesting process because obviously, in some ways, it's you get a lot of people who are just like, 
you know, don't know what the hell they're talking about. And you guys some people know what they're talking about, but it's a great way to lose your um, ego and lose your kind of preciousness as a writer. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the problem with, with people who write and create anything is that they're, whenever anybody says anything negative about something they do, they get very, they get very mm. defensive. They get very angry because it's something they worked really hard on and you're spending, they feel like you're spending two minutes and completely destroying what, what they yeah. did. And, but doing that was great because it really helped to know, like if a bunch of people said the same thing, it was wrong with your thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's probably wrong. Like you're probably, yeah, you probably exactly. should go back and, and take a look at it. Yeah, you know? right. there, the, um, but what it did it was it makes it easy because now when people give me something to critique that's writing, like I am ruthless with it. Yeah, you know I am like I tend no, to be no, 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 no. I'm just crossing stuff out. I'm like I'm like you can take my notes or you can't take my notes. Like I'm I just one man's opinion, but like all of this stuff you don't need it. Like you are saying you are taking forty words to say what you can say in ten words, and then here you're taking ten words where you need to say it in 40 words, you know? So there's, play, the, the, but people respect that, right? People want to know what they're doing wrong. Right. Because most people, their friends, their family will tell them that it's great and that they're so talented, that they're amazing. They need someone to be like, look, you have potential, but th- this is stuff you can fix from what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I like there's, there's a lot of talent there mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But I just like, I can tell by reading it that there was like, there was no editor. Right. Like if you had shown this to somebody that kind of knows writing mm-hmm. structure and like comma positioning mm-hmm. and where things should be. And like, after you name a person, you need to do this. Like if, even if you want, send me like, send me mm-hmm. what you got. I'll go over it. Like mm-hmm. no problem. But yeah. you know, you, you really, before you went to the trouble of going to print mm-hmm. and producing this all yourself and putting it up and then charging money for it, you know, you probably should have showed this to a few people that you trust and just cleaned it up a little bit because it it would have been, that would at least have been an aspect of it that people could have been like, okay, like, you know, it was structured well. I just think that you need to do less telling and more showing. Like, don't tell me that a, a character is this way. Mm-hmm. Show me that they're that way. Yeah. You know, through their actions, mm-hmm. through their gestures and their words. And it was like, but I like, like, I still like, I like the bizarre world mm-hmm. that he created. I just wish that I had more of like a grounding to stand on and wish to be a part of it. Right? Yeah, well, and that's what you tell him. You know, like, that's the thing. Like, if you believe in the person, then you need to give them criticism because it, because that's when it's worth it. Yeah. You know, um, and for me, like, I have people, like, I know, like, I have, like, I have a couple people in my life who, are, like, one person I know, if I give it to him, content wise they'll rip it apart for me and they'll tell me what going and I have a person I give it to who I know will rip it apart like grammatically you know like mm-hmm. when I when I need gra- grammar stuff done I give it to Brian because Brian <laughs> knows grammar backwards and forwards and he will tell me like this is ridiculous this is stupid like what the hell are you doing like there shouldn't be a comma here you know th- that kind of thing and that's great you need that with, yeah. with, with people so no I think that you have to be honest with them if they want your opinion yeah I have I mean you know aside from some of the stuff for talking comics when I do mm. stuff for Joe Blow mm. nothing goes up for them without going through mm. an, editor, an editor first no I mean if you have a site where like people are getting paid to write and you need they, yeah. they, you need, you need some I mean I'm sure there are sites that don't do it but you need someone there who is, is kind of that over yeah. looking guiding I mean even, like, even when I did my, my um, coverage for New York City Comic Con mm. for Joe Blow like I had written stuff ahead of time just so I could get it edited before I would need to plug everything in and put it up. Mm-hmm. So, cause I mean, those shows are relatively predictable as far as content yeah. for, for those, you know, quick recap things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, if you're looking to write stuff and everything, don't be afraid to ask, you know, trusted friends and, you know, some grab somebody, even if you don't like them, that, you know, is intelligent and knows mm-hmm. their stuff. Yeah. And and uh, can give you an honest criticism because it will only help you as a writer and it will only help your audience as well to, to grow into your book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So my uh, my book of the week. So the series I mentioned before that I was reading uh, on Marvel Unlimited uh, was Old Man Logan. Uh, I think it's Wolverine like 83 to like. I think it's like 83 to like 90 or something like that with with one like single issue, a giant size issue uh, put in there for the finale. And it's uh, Mark Miller and Steve McNiven. And uh, the Old Man Logan Secret Wars time was coming out. That's uh, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Andrea, uh, Andrea, Andre Sorrentino. Um, and I wanted to read it, but again, I wasn't sure. Like I'd heard so many things about old, the Old Man Logan storyline. 2009, I believe, is when it came out. And another old ass book um, <laughs> talking about... And I I wanted to read it, and and so I figured, okay, this will be the first one. This will be the first Secret Wars kind of tie-in originator that, that, that I take a look at before I read the Secret Wars tie-in. Um, a, I want to start before I say anything about the book's content. It, it's a great idea to do that. If you haven't read the original Old Man Logan series, and you don't want to be completely spoiled kind of on everything that happens in that series... Don't read the Secret Wars one because it is a direct oh. continuation. Like it, it picks up like, like it's not a panel after, but it's very shortly after hmm. the 2009 series ends. Um, this the the continuity kind of Old Man Logan number one picks up. You can definitely read it, not having read that stuff, and get some cool stuff out of it. Definitely, but if, if you have any interest in reading Old Man Logan, I would say read that first before you move on to, to this. Um, and I will say this. Both of the old man, the original old man Logan, and this together, like I am in love with with, with this story uh-huh. and this um, this continuity they're playing here. I don't remember; it has some Earth number. I don't know what Earth number yep. it was. They put it in, but basically, the the plot of Old Man Logan in general, and because it carries over, it kind of all feeds in. Is um, at some point, all of the bad guys band together, and they use all, and they actually work together, and they defeat the heroes because, in their words, there's like. 20 villains to every hero. That's about right. Yeah. So, you know, if they ever band together, it would be over. And so, a lot of the big, like, really smart ones, Magneto, Doctor Doom, all these guys, they come together, Red Skull, they come together, and they plot, and they overthrow the bad guy, the good guys. And so, so when you pick up Old Man Logan, it's like 40 or 50 years later, <coughs> and, um, it's just like a, basically, it's like a fiefdom. It's almost like Battleworld in other ways. The, the country is, America is split up into sections that are ruled by, um, different, uh, different characters. Most of them are are villains that you know. A couple of them are people that maybe used to be heroes and aren't aren't so nice anymore. And they're all ruled by these people, and it's all split up. And you know, there are like landlords that come and get rent from people. It's very much people are basically the good people are kind of almost living as as indentured servants. Um, you know, barely barely getting by. You know, if if they don't pay, people come and like destroy their homes and stuff like that. So it's a very bad time. And Logan, since since. And the whole series kind of builds up. I think the whole series, at least half of it, builds up to the point where Logan quit being Wolverine the night that the the villains kind of took over, and you don't know why. But he's basically a man of peace. He hasn't unsheathed his claws in almost forty years, and he just he will not kill. Him. He will not take another life. That he he has a you know basically a vow not to do that. And at some point, he can't make his rent one month, and they and. 
Basically, his his land is the land where the, the Hulks are the rulers of his land. So there are all these like Hulk children and stuff like that, and they're going to basically destroy his home, kill his family if he doesn't pay rent the, the next month. So Hawkeye shows up and says, "I've got a plan. I, I I have a thing I need to transport across the country. Will you be my driver?" Um, and, and and Hawkeye, Clint Barton in this world is kind of becoming he kind of he's kind of a drug smuggler. He you know kind of does stuff. So this is what Logan's figuring out that he kind of is smuggling. And and you find out it's it's something else later on, but the whole story of Old Man Logan is basically them traveling across the country, and you see the different kind of um, fiefdoms that exist across the country, the Doomland, all this other stuff. And this whole time, kind of Logan vowing that he's not going to uncheat this clause, he's not going to kill anyone, and that definitely gets tested as as the as the thing goes along. And uh, it was a great miniseries, you know, it was great kind of Elseworlds, what if type of story, um, you know, very, obviously very grungy, very dark, very violent, um, but written very well. And the art by Stephen Niven is just absolutely gorgeous throughout. Um, some crazy scenes, some really just amazing stuff. Um, and and some really good, nice plays on kind of, you know, who the, the villains are in, in the world. And, let's say something happens and Logan has to kind of become Wolverine again at, at some point. And throughout the whole series, I would say like the revelation of what happened to Logan, why he gave up being Wolverine, is unbelievably harrowing. Like it's something that you believe that he would stop being Wolverine when this happened, and um, it has something very much to do with it. it I, I would not give you a spoiler. It's I mean it's a ten year old, five six year old series, but uh, Mysterio is is a very big part of why Logan gives Ooh. gives up what he's doing. And um, liking that already. I like him. Whenever they use Mysterio in kind of like a serious way, it's always very interesting, yeah. right? Because usually it's kind of a joke. And Kevin Smith did it in his Daredevil thing, uh, his Daredevil run that he did, and it's it's here again in Old Man Logan. Um, done so so well, and then now we get this Secret Wars tie into Old Man Logan, which again picks up, and now he's kind of full on Wolverine again, and you know he's kind of basically his plan is now like. I want to take back the world for the good guys. That's that, that's like his idea. And he's going about it in a very Wolverine type of way. So there's a lot of bloodshed and and, and not a lot of mercy yeah. happening here. Um, he's traipsing along, but it's just this very cool. Like, you know, he looks like freaking Clint Eastwood. If Clint Eastwood was Wolverine, uh, he was one of the models. Oh, he was. When they were, when, yeah. yeah. So that's very, that's yeah. very pertinent. He yes. looks like, like Clint Eastwood now, right? Yeah. You know, but he had, like, you know, he has like a cowboy hat on. He's traipsing on this world and, and there's interactions with a couple of people like Emma Frost is, is a is a big plot point in both the original and in this one, um, and, and uh, very very cool like these are in like the, the one is ruled by the Punishers all this kind of stuff, and um, I, this is not a spoiler but you know that there's a there's a kid that it, it's so crazy how tied it is to the series that came out six years ago and I couldn't imagine being someone who read the series six years ago and wanted something new for so yeah. long and this finally came out, I got to go right from reading the last issue of, yeah. is, you know, of, of that miniseries into this one, which was great. Which did you read first? The original. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I recommend absolutely yeah. read the original because you will get spoiled on like all the big plot points of the original if you, do, if you read this first. Okay. Um, and that's what I read on Marvel Unlimited. So really, really cool. But there's like a baby involved that needs to be taken care of while Logan's kind of go out and doing his thing. And... and and he has like this this kind of friend who's watching the baby, um, and the the person watching the baby is the grown up daughter of Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. 
which is very, very cool. Like a very, very um, cool thing. Mm. Um, but the, the action is great. Um, the storytelling is great. The art by Andrea Sortino in this issue, um, you know, it's so different than Steve McNiven, but it's just like oh, this wow. kind of gorgeous, you know, sometimes impressionistic, like just great stuff g- going on. And it, the callbacks to the original series are great, but even the new stuff, it, the new stuff is really awesome. And it's just, it ends with this really kind of badass, like basically Logan being like, fuck the fucking rules. Like I'm doing whatever the hell I want. And it's just a great, great moment. Um, Cause he's trying to figure out uh, what, what's going on in, in this world. And, it was really interesting, right? Because Wolverine now has been dead for, I don't know, it's been it's been six months, something like that, maybe a little bit more. I think it was the end of last year that that last issue of Death of Wolverine came out. Yeah. Around there. Yeah, I don't, I I don't so. know, the, know the exact date. But it was it was this moment where you, you see him, and he's doing stuff, and he, he snicks his claws out, and you're like, all right, Wolverine's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And there's this great stuff here, and I've heard rumor. There's been rumors popping around that like this is going to be an ongoing book when we come back, and maybe this will be kind of the Wolverine we get in the main yeah. universe, which I think would be very interesting, a very different way to go about it than keeping it, you know, putting him back into normal rotation on all of the teams of the Avengers, on the X Men, whatever is going to be there. That would be cool. Um, the continuity is great. You know, it's it's a fun. If I use a fun in a very, it's fun in that kind of dark way, but as a. I, I tend to love kind of Elseworld stuff and it, it very much fits into, into that milieu and both the original series and this tie-in were just awesome. It's become one of those things where like I'm definitely going to go back and I'm going to buy whatever collect. Hope, hopefully there's a collected hardcover edition of Old Man Logan. I'm definitely going to buy it because I just loved it and I'm very hot and cold on Mark Miller. Very hot and cold and this was definitely one of those times where I just, I just loved it. So uh-huh. Old Man Logan was great. Um, I'm guessing neither of you read it. <laughs> okay. No, what you showed just there, it looks very Sergio Leone. Yes, yeah, it has a lot of... You, know, you have those, the, the, the Mesa and the... Mm-hmm. But then in some of the action sequences, very Frank Miller. Yes, definitely. Very split into panels and oddball layouts and mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Uh, McNiven's very brilliant. I mean, yes. really is. And yeah. so, But this is so different than that. Yes, very different. That it... It's the only way you probably could go. Yeah. If you went someone in that same vein, you'd be a direct comparison. Mm-hmm. Now you've gone somewhere else entirely. Kudos to Mr. Bendis for picking the right artist. It yeah. looks like. Yeah. He's been absolutely. working with him on and Uncanny X-Men the last few issues. Since Sortino, I think, signed that exclusive deal with Marvel. Uh, so he's been kind of working with mm-hmm. him there. Steve, you want to say something? Uh, there is a trade paperback version of Old Nag Logan for 17 bucks okay. for the whole collection. Nice. There's also a hardcover edition, uh, which is normally $75. It is $43.50. Nice. I might have to pick that wow. up. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, McNiven, obviously, this is like the McNiven art. Yeah. Totally different, but also really awesome. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go back and read the first stuff because I, I that is in my pile when I go to the store uh, yeah. today. Yeah. It's so, so good. Such good stuff. And, uh, the last two issues of the original series have some of the best like action sequences ever, uh-huh. and they, they kind of hide from you the whole time. They keep talking about the president, the president, the president. Mm-hmm. When you find out who the president is, really cool oh, <laughs> and boy. great end action sequence. It's just great, and you know, you mentioned the art. The art's totally different. Bendis does a very good job of kind of it. His writing and the world echoes the world of Millar very well. It feels of the same piece. Mm-hmm. But it's different enough where you don't feel like you're getting the same the same exact thing. 
Yeah. I think the idea of that moving forward is really neat, too. It is. It is neat. It's like, yeah. because you want, you Wolverine is going to be back. We know that for sure. But bringing him back the way he was before, I don't think is necessarily, is necessary at this point. And it also just kind of spin, spins off into like a, a topic that is kind of part of the thing, which is that Marvel, no, look, they're not going to stop publishing the X-Men books, but they've definitely, in their new kind of released, like, this is the Marvel Universe image that they put out kind of every few years. <laughs> There are no X-Men and there are no Fantastic Four yeah. in, in the big promotional yeah. image that they put out. Now, we've already heard rumor that there's going to be three or four X-Men books when, when we come back. And I do believe that at some point, if, if it's not immediately when the universe restarts, not too soon after, we're going to get a Fantastic Four book again. It's just going to happen. But Marvel is obviously shying away from promoting those books yeah. at all. The, it kind of the forward-facing, like, to the general audience thing. They are not putting it out there, which is obviously because it's kind of the only characters they have left that they don't have any control of whatsoever when it comes to the bigger kind of media rights, too. Um, I mean, how do you feel about that, Bob? I'm pretty aggravated, I have to tell you. I didn't believe they were doing this when we first saw the mm-hmm. stories that, you know, Isaac Perlmutter was really mad about the deal signed years before that Fox controlled these mm-hmm. major properties. That he would, what seemed to me, cut his nose off despite his face mm-hmm. and cancel books that were selling 30, 40, 50, 60,000 copies because he was mad. Mm-hmm. But it's not only on these images. They've, they've canceled toys, mm-hmm. statues, yeah. trading cards. Don't create new X-Men characters mm-hmm. because Fox will own them. Here's the deal. The movies sell to a lot more people than the comic books. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know that it translates in the way they're thinking about it, except that it's just spite. Yeah. See, I, here's the thing. I don't think that... I think there's still going to be books. I, I think I, yeah. I definitely think there's still going to be books. We've heard tell of like, uh, about three... Uh, we, uh, there's rumor that there's going to be Uncanny X-Men, All New X-Men, and... Um, I can't believe what... I can't remember what them are. It's, some, it's something like... It's like Unbelievable X-Men yeah. or what, whatever it's going to be. Um, it's something like that, though. Um, and... So there'll be X-Men books. I, I guarantee there'll be a Fantastic Four book coming down the line at, at some point. But I think that as far as that ultra merchandising stuff, I think that they're pulling back on it because they don't want that stuff, I guess, to help the movies. I don't know what they're thinking. But they the, can't. Uh, they, yeah. There are so few comic readers as opposed to moviegoers. Mm-hmm. That it, does it make a difference? How many extra yeah. tickets could you possibly sell to Fox's movies? Mm-hmm. To me, the reverse is true. If you allow the movies to go out without a corresponding book that maybe refutes their version of it, mm-hmm. that movie is going to take precedence. Oh, that's what the X-Men are like, and that's what the Fantastic yeah. Four is like, as opposed to, no, here's what Stanley and Jack Kirby created. Here's mm-hmm. what all these great yeah. people worked on, Claremont and Byrne and mm-hmm. Marv Wolfman and everybody else over the years, Roy Thomas. Here's what we, here's what we did. Yeah. Forget what they did. Here's what you should focus on. Yeah. Pulling that out of the marketplace leaves them yeah. the stage. I just can't believe, like, I, I gotta believe the X-Men comic sales make up, like, at least 30% of, of, of their you sales. You all those books together? Absolutely. Yeah. So I can't believe they're gonna go away. I, no. I just, I just, I, and I can't imagine they won't have top-tier talent on them. Um, you know, but I, I feel like it's weird. It's weird not to promote them. It's weird not to have... You know Wolverine at, at the at the center of those images. It's weird yep. not to have Cyclops or, or those characters be prevalent on, on those. It's weird not to see the thing like you know they pulled them off T-shirts. Yeah, there is the original Secret Wars from the eighties. They had T-shirts and posters, whatever. I think it's Walmart. 
maybe it's Target, mm. there are Secret Wars t-shirts. They've redrawn the image. They've stuck in other characters mm. in place of the Fantastic Four and X-Men characters on their Secret Wars shirts. Weird. Uh, it's so weird. It's, it's a weird thing, and I, I feel like... Um, uh, I feel like... Ike, we'll call him Ike. Yeah, um, good old Ike. Yeah, Ikey P. Uh, he's. Uh, <laughs> I sound like a rapper now. Yeah, I, I feel like at some point the kind of right now I think the lar- the larger body at Disney like they don't really care too much like they're kind of like not paying attention to what's mm-hmm. happening down here because like yeah it's good it feed it, they think it was something that feeds the bigger machine right it, like it gives to that machine that's making billions of dollars and this makes millions of dollars definitely is profitable so it's good and it's great for like basically like a development factory for, for yeah. this other giant thing but no company wants a ton of bad pr and i feel like if it, it once this kind of becomes more obvious to people i think you're going to start seeing some backlash against it and i think then something will happen it'll get clamped down upon um with them but it's really weird when they release that image to see no no X-Men and no Fantastic Four. Yeah. I mean, there are, listen, there are some X-Men in there, but they're kind of the X-Men that like are kind of shared with with other yeah. things. And there, I think there was a couple. I think Magneto was in there somewhere too. So they haven't like gotten rid of all of them completely, but no. most of them are gone. There are Fantastic Four characters in there. Yeah, there's yeah. Black Panther prominently. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, uh, yeah. God, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's sad. It's business. I get it at mm-hmm. some level, but this is nonsensical yeah it just it, there's no win mm-hmm. out of this well because yeah. oh, you don't sell some action figures yeah stop yeah. can't we all just get along i know it's true well look sony and marvel managed it it's true fox wants their own little world yeah they do uh, fox and, and marvel need to be the black and white cookie <laughs> of the world <laughs> they do they need to get along um, um all i know is i'm still not going to go see that fantastic four movie <laughs> 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 Um, You'll see it. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, I'll be Bob's absent. Be mysteriously no. sick that week. I'll be absent that week, or I'll just sit here and I'll read Fantastic Four books on Bobby's couch. I'm a. I am excited for X Men Apocalypse. Everything I've seen from it yes. seems cool, and they've seen some really good stuff about it. So, what are you shaking your head about? I'm not excited about it at all. Really? No. You'd like Days of Future Past, didn't you? Eh. Really? I'm, I'm, we've been through this. I know, that's I, the yeah. old one. So that's like the early 2000s ones, though. I liked First Class. Yeah. I, I saw, I watched Days of Future, Future Past again and really didn't like it. Wow. Interesting. I, there's something about those X-Men movies. They don't do anything for me. It's not what I want to see from the X-Men. Hmm. They've never been what I want them to be. It's just a personal thing. No, I know. I just, I, I'm excited. No. I, I like some of the casting. I definitely like some of the casting. The casting has me excited. I'm not excited about the same people doing the movie again. Like I, I want fresh blood as far as directors and visionaries for the X-Men universe. I need change. Well, you'll get it after this one because Singer says he's done yeah. after this. Well, then bring it on. Um, yeah, you might, you, might, you might say that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to get more Marvel after Brian Singer leaves. It's gonna get less Marvel. I just, I, I just, I feel like it's time to move on from. Like Hugh Jackman said that the the next Wolverine movie is the last yeah. time that, like, good, mm-hmm. good. I know he's awesome, and everybody loves him as Wolverine. 
I would really like to see us kind of usher in some some newer, younger X-Men and have them take center stage. Well, I mean, they've been doing that. I mean, all X-Men Apocalypse is based on that, right? We got new Cyclops, we got new right, Storm, well, then, we got new Gene. Yeah. I haven't been paying attention to it yeah. like you guys have, so maybe I'll yeah, like that a bit all... more than the others. I just, I don't like the villain of Days of Future Past with Peter Dinklage. As much as I love Dinklage, he was nothing Oh, I, like, I liked him a lot in that movie. Ah. I liked him a lot in that movie. But as a, as a villain, as a as a somebody to go up against, mm-hmm. I felt like it was a bit weak. Well, I mean, the whole thing with the X Men though is that like there are all these like other villains, but they it's always Magneto. Like it's always ends up being Magneto at the end of the yeah. day. He's always the major foil. Like as much as I like Mystique as a character, I'm just I'm I'm done with these certain characters being the focal point of all of these stories. I want new villains. I want a new threat. Apocalypse is coming, yeah, so that's, that's new and that's cool. So who knows? Maybe maybe Apocalypse will be the movie that that turns me on this stuff. And Fastbender said his contract's up after this one, but he said he'd do like a thousand more. That's what he said. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. yeah, he loves doing it. Apparently, yeah. I mean, all the pictures they've released, they're like they're all eighties like styled, like Jubilee and and Jean and all that kind of stuff. It looks really cool. Yeah, I don't know her name, but I'm I'm excited about uh, Sansa Stark, Sophie Turner. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about her being uh, Jean Grey. I think that'll be yeah, fun. Looks really cool. And uh, Cody Smith McPhee, who was in uh, The Road and uh, uh, the American version of Let the Right One In, uh, Let Me uh, In. Yes, uh, he is playing Nightcrawler, and they released that picture mm-hmm. of him, and it looks I did see great. That. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that one. Uh, I mean, the thing about for me is like, yeah, the X Men movies have never they, they, they've never been as kind of. Um, close as like the Avengers movies have been the Avengers universal movies have been mm-hmm. but I mean there's a lot wrong with that first X-Men movie don't get me wrong but when that movie came out it, it was it was spectacular it was like yeah. it was unbelievable like they did and then when X2 came out and I will forever like until the day I die talk about that opening scene with that's, Nightcrawler see, that's, yes. the, that's the standout of that movie mm-hmm. for me is that opening scene oh, yeah. everything else kind of goes away no I love the clothes too alright yeah. well for, we're, we're talking about me now Bob okay no we're not <laughs> um for the first movie, I like the first movie probably the most out of the older ones, or at least the first three. Third one, nobody yeah, likes to talk no. about. But for me, the, the first one is extremely comic booky in plot. Like that whole thing that Magneto's got with wanting Rogue, and they think that they that he wants Logan the mm-hmm. whole time, and like all of that with him with Logan in the bus, and he stops mm-hmm. him dead in his tracks because the adamantium, and he's stretching him apart. Yeah, that to me was very very comic book and but after the nightcrawler sequence it kind of oh man that se- me a no bit. that oh. sequence when they invade the school and wolverine goes like yeah. berserk on everybody yeah. yeah you had never in the first movie he never did anything no like i remember that. i remember in the theaters i yeah. remember the theater i saw that yeah. in and sitting there and being like whoa that like, first one where he when when like him and bobby are like in the kitchen and like they're like just talking and like you know having milk or whatever it mm-hmm. happens and he like he tells Bobby to like go and he like you think he's walking away and then like that soldier's in the kitchen with a gun or whatever and Logan just puts his claws right into his chest yeah and it's like screaming yeah. you know what it is we've talked about like the bar of excellence now mm. when we talked about Age of Ultron that the bar has been set oh, so, so much high higher. yeah that now that I have this library of Marvel movies mm. in which to compare them to I just personally this has nothing to do with anybody mm. else's preference or taste. I just feel like I'm stepping into a different arena when I watch those X-Men movies oh, yeah. and they're not as good. Well, anything anything yeah. pre-Iron Man in the kind of Marvel world is like mm-hmm. a different... You're, you're looking at a different yes. type of film. right? Yeah. Even the Spider-Man movies, um, again, not talking about the third one because nobody likes the third one, yeah. um, but the first and the second one were so good when they came out. I still think the second one is, is amazing. Yeah, I agree. But 
when you watch them now compared to what they're doing now, it's like, why are they, why are they like taking all these like weird like liberties with what they're doing? Why are they avoiding the comic book well, aspect? Like, of like they're, they're ignoring the, the connectivity between characters mm-hmm. and who they are to one another. Yeah. Like the saber tooth thing. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. You know? And yeah. the, what is it? Um, Mystique and, um, Nightcrawler or was it Storm? No, it's Mystique and, no, it's Mystique and uh, Rogue. Like she's her, she's Rogue's yes, her daughter, right? right? But Nightcrawler mm-hmm. and she are related too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could yeah. be her mo- his mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I found certain things missing, and maybe maybe we couldn't do that back then because it was they just really didn't do it. Yeah. Down, yeah, and like we didn't have the world to pull from, so you can't you know you can't pose those giant relationships because people that don't read the comics aren't going to know what the hell you're talking about. It yeah. takes too much time to explain them. But like when we get to the point with with that kind of stuff where they do start weaving them all together and making them a family and like family rivalries and stuff like that, that I would be totally interested in. Yeah, the first two, it's really interesting. If you listen to the even the commentaries on the DVDs, Singer is talking about how like they did the first one and it was very low, bu- like comparatively to anything else, yeah. very low budget. Like the studio was kind of like well, the comic book stuff, like we don't care. And so they had to really fight, fight, fight for everything in that movie. And the first movie made a lot of money, and so the second movie was coming out, and he's like, we still couldn't, like, it was still, like, pulling teeth. Like, they were asking for things, and they they were getting told no about, about like, budget increases and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the first three, apparently, were very, very tough to make in that way. And, of course, like, it's it's changed a lot, but that second movie still, like, that was, when that second movie came out, it was the best comic book movie that had ever come out, mm-hmm. you know? And so it still holds a really special place in, in my heart. And I don't think, for me, like, I think Days of Future Past is probably a better movie the next two but there's still a place in my heart bigger yeah. for x2 for me. i still love first class first class is great, great. Uh, the 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 ending in first class kind of like leaves me cold like hmm. i like I, I i like the idea of the ending like the bay of pigs thing but like the way it's executed with like the focus on the soldiers on, on the boat and i'm like i don't care about the soldiers on the boat like we haven't we don't know them at all we've been following the x-men the whole time like oh, why it's don't... michael ironside i, I love know michael but like ironside. i just don't like it i mean going wrong yeah. it's pretty awesome when magneto pulls the submarine out of the water. Amazing. Um, We spent the previous 90 minutes on the X characters. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's what I wanted to see. And then, then again, this is like a a personal thing again. And they kind of almost took it away in Future future Pass for a while. But like, um, I didn't like they got paralyzed so early. Like, I wanted to see more like just Xavier doing other stuff because we know what he's like in the chair. Um, But I mean, Days of Future Pass to me, like, there are things that are not great like comic book wise mm-hmm. but as an action movie as an adventure movie um as just a showcase for like a bunch of great actors who are in a comic book movie i just loved it that scene on the airplane with hugh jackman james mcavoy and um uh, michael yeah. fassbender i just love like Riveting. when they're just when they're just talking to each other they're yeah. just so good at, you know at, at, at kind of going back I and could forth watch two hours of that yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely now to me i remember when we reviewed it i gave it three different reviews mm-hmm. yeah it, there's the movie review, there's an X-Men movie review, and yeah. there's a review of it based on the comic. Yeah. The first two reviews, three stars and above. Mm-hmm. As a co- as as an adaptation of that story, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's kind crap. of... That was kind of my, but, my second viewing yeah. gripe with it, was yeah. that it was a missed opportunity. But, I mean, but would you say, though, yeah. like... I mean, again, like, again, Days of Future Past, the storyline in the comic book is great, and it's a legendary comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, and they took elements from it, right, and made a movie out of it, which is totally different. But you wouldn't say, like... Oh, Avengers: Age of Ultron! Like they didn't do the Age of Ultron storyline, so no. it's shit, right? Like yeah. you wouldn't say that about it, right? So you know, it, obviously, obviously, it's t- totally 
totally different in, as far as quality goes. But, you know, that's what they do. They take names. Like, the Apocalypse storyline is not going to be mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. what it's like in the comics. It's going to be different. Like, Age of Ultron, to me, felt more open-ended in terms mm-hmm. of what you could pull from. Like, you were introducing the Ultron character as a villain just because it was called Age of Ultron and we just had an Age mm-hmm. of Ultron event. Yeah. I didn't, I never, mm-hmm. not at any point did I make one synonymous, mm-hmm. synonymous with the other. With Days of Future Past, it was like, we are directly pulling from this one story mm-hmm. and we're going to make a movie with it. And just, I understand, we've been through this. We mm-hmm. talked about this. Yeah. We had a whole mm-hmm. podcast about it, about how, of course, you're going to make it about Wolverine because it's more accessible mm-hmm. to your mass audience and stuff like that. I just, you know, for all the stuff that Disney and Marvel are doing, I felt like Days of Future Past could have been a really huge forward step for them in terms of giving that movie over to another character, but instead it ended up just being another Wolverine movie with a big supporting cast from the X-Men. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. But I just, like I said, upon a second watch, I, I felt a little robbed by the opportunity that was not taken advantage of. Yeah, no, I understand that. I mean, like, we t- like it's tough. Like, Kitty Pride is obviously the main character of Days of Future Past, the comic book. But she was a bit part in X Men Three, and no, that's like you the got last... such a great actress portraying. It's true, use her. But it, no, it, I know, I get it. Yeah. I get it. it's done. They made the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Will anyone be buying the Rogue cut? Ah, oh. I'll watch it. Yeah, um, I'm not buying it. I would. But I want I, the Kitty same. cut. But Anna Paquin, <laughs> more Anna Paquin, who's a fine actress. Let's be fair. She's a fine actress. Yeah. She's just not Rogue. Vampire Bill. Absolutely right. <laughs> that's the issue with with with, with, with Anna Paquin. All right, let's talk. Somebody ab- just tweeted me, "I am the Lizard Queen." <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about. Uh, actually, I really have to go to the bathroom, so we're gonna okay. take a little break. Sure. Before we talk about Brian Bucciolato's Sons of the Devil, um, but no reflection on the book. No, not at all. <laughs> I need a power bar. But I've had to go to the bathroom for like thirty minutes, so okay. I had to go. I was gonna move right into it, but I was like, you know what? To give the, I don't want to feel like I'm rushing through it. You know, <laughs> it was good. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Um, and I can have a fireside Let's chat. take a little yes. break, and we'll talk about Brian Bucciolato and Tony Infante's Sons of the Devil, number one. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we're going to talk about Sons of the Devil, number one, from Brian Bucciolato and Tony Infante, um, Image Comics. Uh, this was a Kickstarter originally and, and picked up by Image Comics, oh. um, So, and now it's out and, and for everyone to read. Um, Brian Bucciolato, of course, uh, was actually one of the first guests we ever had on Talking Comics Podcast way long, long time ago. Wrote The Flash at the beginning of the new 52. Um, is writing Detective Comics right now. Wrote Foster, um, uh, Black Bat for for Dynamite, um, and, and so now Sons of the Devil, which is an original property uh, from him um, and Tony Infante, with a lettering by Troy Piteri. I'm going to say that's what that is. <laughs> I love the pause. Piteri. It was going so well. Was I going to say Petrie? And then I realized no, there's an E before the R. <gasps> Petrie from the Land Before Time. Yes, that's who it is. He is the letterer. <laughs> There's a little pterodactyl. <laughs> the pterodactyl from Land Before Time is uh, the letterer on Sons of the Devil. Amazing. <laughs> Brian works with the best people. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Stephanie's not here. It was she assigned the book? Uh, and um, two in a row. Two in a row. That 
So the story, I don't want to give a lot away because th th there's a lot of plot that happens here and I don't want to say too much, but uh, it has to do with a, a, a child who has something special about them that seems to be being raised in some sort of cult or, or something um, and gets whisked away by, by someone who doesn't want to see something bad happen to the child. We then see the child as an adult and those forces that were coming after when he was a kid don't seem to have stopped co coming after him. That's kind of the basic plot uh, of the story. Um, it's got a very, uh, I think to me it's got a very kind of timeless kind of, you know, almost like that like that Scorsese or Tarantino era of stuff, which you can't really tell. It's obviously modern, but it's not overtly modern at the same time. And, and yeah, that's that's kind of what the, the, the kind of plot and basis of the story. Um, let's start off, Bob, what do you think of Sons of the Devil? I found it really interesting. We, we read so many horror books, and they all end up in usually very nicely done, but the same sort of places. This is more a story of cults and people and how this works. And there may end up being supernatural elements because the thing that is different about Travis Crowe is something that is a marker in a lot of famous stories about mm. such things. And I don't want to mm. say anything yet because we're, we're being very, very mm. spoiler-resistant here. The art really plays up on that timeless quality. It is angular. Though a little bit confusing in the opening sequence. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Yeah. I, that was one of my main critiques of the book, mostly in the opening, which was that, um, and some of the, a little bit in the right past the opening, kind of the past the button or the, the like the cold open of the scene, mm -hmm. is that I feel like at times some of the characters look too much alike. I had I had trouble a couple times differentiating mm -hmm. between characters. Yeah. It's settled in eventually. Yes, once we get did. to what is the present or whatever yes. this present is. But yeah, that, that struck me a little. I, I enjoyed the interconnections as the layers of this keep resurfacing. A couple of nice surprises. It is. It ends on a pretty horrible note. Mm -hmm. If not a hopeless note, but it's not good. No. Just leave it at that. I'm intrigued, mm -hmm. and more than I have been with some of these sort of things, because this is a little different. This could all change very quickly. It could become cliché. But right now we're into someplace else, and his afterward is is pretty nice too. Yeah, absolutely. Is what he was talking about mm -hmm. with Jim Jones and Jonestown mm -hmm. and those sort of cults, mm -hmm. and at some level in this country, I hate to get political, we are so filled with cults of all sorts of things. Whether it's you know the whole idea of living color and the mm -hmm. cult of personality, it's who's on television, who's got the podium to say something next that we follow along mm -hmm. blindly, stupidly. Who knows? May a lovely little political statement, I think. Yeah, Steve, what do you think of the, the book? Um, I thought it was cool. I was. Um, it reminded me quite a bit of. Uh, I got the same vibe that I got from Nailbiter mm. when uh, when I was reading this, and much of what Bob said. I like the cultist angle. It's not something that I've seen in comics uh, for a little bit, or I don't even know if I've read anything so far that mm. has has delved into that kind of territory uh i like the idea of this child that was obviously there was a mix-up who was meant to be something more having been lost and has now been found and is going to kind of turn that person's world upside down and you know reveal who they're who they're possibly maybe meant to be um i appreciated that it didn't go into the supernatural uh, kind of 
been there and done that for a little bit now. And who knows? It could go into that kind of stuff. But I'm not necessarily sure that it will. Or if it does, it won't go into it until later. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly, I found myself connecting with the main character. I thought there's... um This is not a spoiler. There's one... You actually have the page open right now where the main character finds and this is of course this is the baby that that the mixed up baby that is now an adult um helps a lost child find their their home you know just arbitrarily comes across this this kid that's lost and you know takes a time out from his work day to find this person but then every other interaction that we get with that character is rather hostile and we learn that he has a past but there's also this really uh genuine and you know concerned side to him that we see in this one instance it was actually my my favorite part of the book is because it tells me automatically that there's a lot more to this character mm-hmm. than than we're being mm-hmm. given and quite possibly that the the people that are looking for him might be a little disappointed and that he's not what he was meant to be and that they might have to work that much harder to get him to that point. Um, I enjoyed it. I want to check out a second issue and uh, I'm actually going to pass it along before I spoil anything because I have a tendency <laughs> to do that. Uh, yeah, I thought it was cool. You know, I think that it's interesting because we've seen doing this podcast from the very beginning, kind of been following uh, Brian Bucciolato's career and I feel like... Um, He's had times where I've really, really loved what he's done, and other times where I've been, I've been kind of mediocre on what he's done. But I think that, as far as this goes, it shares as far as like the tone and setting, and the and the thrust behind it, that kind of seventies feel to it. And you mentioned it's a different kind of horror; it feels more like that type of horror to me, um, where it's a little bit more um, about the horror that men do rather than supernatural stuff though i do feel like you're right there is gonna be supernatural stuff that enters this equation but he dealt with that sort of in foster as well where it felt kind of very in the 70s kind of john carpenterish vibe and i feel like this is is a little bit different that this is more um freaking type of almost french connection type of vibe with with, with with this kind of cult nature behind it um and i i dug it you know i think that like we talked about there's some inconsistencies with the art that that i wasn't crazy about where it kind of was a little bit confusing to me about what was going on and where but once the art gets going and even when the art is a little bit confusing what it does do great is the tone and the 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 sense of place that it that it brings right where it feels to me like it's it, it it's got a very specific feeling to what it's trying to do and that feeling pervades the entire book where it it feels um you know it there might be supernatural to come, but it feels very solid and hard. You know, it feels like the, life is a tough place. And you get that feeling, I think in each and every little bit of the art that happens here. Um, I like that they, they, they kind of show you, I think it's also a little bit of comment possibly on kind of nature versus nurture type of situation here, because, you know, uh, we get, we, we see a character who is not unlike our main character at a certain point, and he has, seems to be have a very different um, mm-hmm. track uh, for his life, you know. Um, and here we, we get to see our main character being sweet. We get to see him doing the right thing for no reason other than to just do the right thing, you know. And you know, some kind of person who, when his dog won't walk any farther, carries him home. You know, that's I think a very kind of relatable thing for for some people. You know, where uh, I know my one of my one of my dogs I had when I was growing up. You know, she 
she's the sweetest dog in the world, but she really did not like to be walked. And when she was done walking, she was just done. You know, she didn't care anymore. She wasn't going to walk. She just going to drag her feet. Um, so you had to pick her up and, and carry her. And, and I like that those little kind of human touches. I, I like a lot here. Um, you know, it's one of those things for me where I feel like one thing I think it doesn't do a great job of is that I don't think it necessarily sets up its central thesis in the first issue, right? Like, I know kind of, I have a vague idea of what's happening here. I know that, like, this kid was part of a cult, and that kind of cult wants him back is kind of the idea of it. But, like, what the central thrust of this journey is going to be, I don't really know it yet. And you don't necessarily need that in the first issue, but for me, if that doesn't exist in the first issue, my pull to read another issue isn't as much there, regardless of how good the storytelling or good the art is in the book itself. That's one of those story things that just is a is a big hang-up for me as far as going from one thing to another. So I did, I did think it was very good and, and had some cool ideas, but uh, I'm not sure if this is going to be a month-to-month thing for me or possibly a, a kind of trade. I felt the same way in terms of that, mm-hmm. but I also, if there had been too overt about the supernatural element or exactly where we were headed... Mm-hmm. I might have been able to dismiss it. Okay. Where it's mysterious enough that it could be one or the other and it could be very different in either mm. way yet. Yeah. Now, that could be a marketing ploy to get me to buy a second <laughs> right. issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think it could be changeable. But just because the our main character, Travis, is very changeable mm. himself, and I think the book may even reflect that. Maybe, because yeah. we have that touching moment with the little boy followed by a huge argument he has at work with his boss that ends very badly for him moving forward where that actually then ties in to him having to go to an anger management class, which may mm. not be run by someone so nice. Right, no. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, I love the layers of it, and I'm intrigued. Yeah. I definitely think as far as just pure storytelling goes, and uh, especially in dialogue in a lot of places, I feel like it's definitely a step forward uh, for Bruchelato. I think that he's done a good job at times and other times not a, such a, a great mm-hmm. job but I feel like here he really takes a step forward as far as I feel like there's a lot of assurance in, in what he's writing and, and what he's plotting and that's a really great thing to see that there is I feel like this is a step forward for, for him as a yeah. creator great stuff with the lady friend Melissa yes mm-hmm. yeah. yeah very nicely done scene. yeah very touching yeah great there are and the, the, this good thing about it too and you know it's there are great I feel like you know sometimes with genre stuff you get caught up in um, the plot because one thing that's divide what defines genre storytelling is a focus on plot. Like that's one of the biggest things, right? You know, a lot of movies that you think of as kind of indie movies or movies that are kind of prestige movies are less about their plot and more about other things, ideas and characters. Mm-hmm. And genre movies are a lot of times are about the plot. And so you get hung up kind of thinking about the plot only, I think, for me sometimes, but you're absolutely right. There's a bunch of really nice kind of individual scenes here that make up th- this overall whole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Bob really he he framed it best in that if if I was given more of the picture, I I might have had too much of an idea as to where we were going and might not have jumped on for another. But there's 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 gaps in the mystery that I want to see filled in, and and I find intriguing enough in the characters to want to know where this guy's going to end up, and because there is that kind of um, two different sides to him, if you will. Or just he's he's a he's an involved person, mm-hmm. you know. But he has this past. How is that past going to play into the person that he didn't grow up around it? Mm-hmm. 
you know, so how are they going to coax it out of him if they want him to be this whatever it is that they're looking for him to be? Right. How are you going to get that from somebody who obviously cares about other people and you're looking him for him to be like the next son of Sam or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I love I love a good mystery. And uh, yeah, no, you know, a, a solid debut issue. Yeah, absolutely. Like and it. I think that it, like it says the no in the back, I think the cult thing is, is a very fascinating storyline and not something that gets done in mm-hmm. stories generally, and especially not in comics. You know, we've talked about in the past how we feel like every other image kind of number one we read is this kind of sci-fi story. And this goes against that. Uh, it is a horror story, but in a different way, not, mm-hmm. not the normal way we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Like, the movie Zodiac, for instance. Yeah, that, I, the big thing to think of, about. Yeah. Yes, when I almost brought that up when I before, yeah. but yes, Zodiac is definitely something I feel, very much felt in this. Which I mean, Zodiac is probably in one of my favorite movies of all time. It's so that, a great it's movie. got it's a great a, movie. Yeah, it's got it's a good compliment. I, I think that, that, that it's like Zodiac. Um, from our our listeners here, uh, we got some comments about Sons of the Devil. Uh, at Repstone says, not sure exactly what the concept is yet, but almost scratchy artwork really draws you in. Get that Rosemary's Baby Kill List vibe off of it. <laughs> um, Stimuli File says, Sons of the Devil number one reminded me of Big Man Plans, only Sons of the Devil was more in depth, uh, has more depth to the characters and story. Great artwork in both books. Um, at Tenshiki Roiku um, says, Sons of the Devil number one was unexpectedly good. I'm not into horror much. Scares the hell out of me. The story was intriguing, though, and I especially love the art. The dark tone of the story fit perfectly with the gritty look. Looking forward to number two. Um, at AGGRGI says, uh, Brian Booch and Tony Infante killed it with good... Uh, uh, Brian Booch, sorry. It's great. Tony Infante killed it with good art. But uh, this is interesting. Uh, fridging the black guy. Come on. So there is a there's a there's there's an African-American character who uh, dies. And I, I think that there's like a... Not every. This is one of the things that I think that has to be cleared up as far as terminology goes. Every time a character dies in in, in a book, it's not fridging a, a, of a character, right? And especially, and this is one of the things too about genre stories like this. Like, um, we have no we have no idea who this character is. This person has no agency in the story. They are built again to be part of this kind of genre plot of this character who passes away, and it propels the plot forward. Now. Um, you can like that or not like that when you do it with characters, but that's not really in this type of story a fridging scenario. Um, the character never had any agency, so the character had, didn't have the agency taken away, away from it. You know, It's basically created for that. Like I said, you can see that as a, as a mark of bad storytelling or good storytelling, mm. but in genre storytelling, it's a very prevalent thing. He's a red shirt. Yeah. I mean, look at like the beginning <laughs> of something like, let's say, Game of Thrones, the very opening scene of the movie, the show, ever, you, know, you get a character who dies. That's not fridging that character just because they died to propel the plot forward. It's just something they do in, in stories like that. So, um, I'll just spoil the very first scene of Game of Thrones for anybody. But <laughs> I just caught up with it last night. Amazing. The last episode was amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Last night, this, it was one of the best episodes of the entire series. Um, uh, Sprayberry88 says, I have to know uh, where Buccello is going to take Sons of the Devil. All I could think of when I reached the end was Sweet Jesus. I also really dug the manga-esque art that Infante had, had going on. I will be reading more of this. Um, at uh, Just Drew VG, who's Music City Comics, says, Sons of the Devil has a great concept. Uh, and look, I'm not sure if, uh, if I'm more interested in the main story or Travis and the dog's friendship. Um, so thank you to everybody who, who wrote in yeah. about Sons of the Devil. Um, 
Bob, is it your choice for next week? Oh, I think it's Steve's, Steve's choice. It's my choice. Oh. Dun, dun, we were so, it gets so out of order with this thing. I don't yes. even remember at this point. Um, yeah. So it was either going to be uh, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, mm. but, but I don't know how much background we would need. I'm going to assume none because well, no, most of Secret Wars books don't really... In theory. Yeah. Um, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, he's married to Mary Jane, he has a kid. Yeah. Story. But... I want. I'm. I'm in the mood. We we've done a couple of heavy, weighty books okay. in the last couple of weeks. I'm in the mood for something fun, something a little harmless. So uh, my pick for next week is going to be Giant Size Little Marvel AVX Number One. Okay. Uh, written, drawn, and everything else by Scotty Young. All right. Um, Ooh, fun so stuff. Say the title again. <laughs> You're gonna make me do this. Yeah. Giant sized Little Marvel AVX number one. All right. Um, if you have not read the other two uh AVX uh tie-in issues with Scotty Young doing kind of the Marvel kids, they were positively charming and funny, kind of a X-Men meets the Muppet Babies kind of thing. And yeah. I think it's going to be awesome. So people might be surprised, Steve, that this week you didn't talk about Fight Club 2. Did you read it yet? I have not gotten any of my books from the past two weeks. Okay. Next week, for sure. Okay. I just want people to know. So oh, people yeah. aren't surprised that you haven't And because about I it. said last week, like, we're definitely going to talk yeah, about it. You did definitely say yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, and here I am. <laughs> no, I am I am totally on board to read that. I, it's funny. I had it in my hands uh, when I was in Canada, but then I found The Veil, and The Veil was like eight bucks. So mm-hmm. I, I put back uh, Sons of the Devil and ended up buying it uh, digitally instead. Cool. So, um, but yeah, yeah, Fight Club, um, if, it's, if it makes the cut, if it's as good as I want it to be, uh, we'll definitely be talking about that next week. I have, like I said, weeks worth of titles mm-hmm. to pick from. Uh, I have no idea. It's going to be a total grab bag next mm-hmm. week for me. Uh, Rob was saying that he's gotten more people in the comic book store looking for Fight Club 2 that have never been in a comic book store before. Wow. That's awesome. More than ever. That's he's, awesome. he's like, I, I, he's like I, I, people I would never, ever imagine walking to a comic book store asking for that book. If it wasn't Chuck Palahniuk actually writing it, I my interest level would be halved. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it, I would be like, oh, okay, so somebody took the concepts from Fight Club and they're just doing. This is him making a, a direct sequel, and he chose to do it in this format. I really wish it wasn't coming out in issues that it was a collected hardcover thing and just presented as a sequel. Um, but I'm sure, obviously, that's coming down the road. It yeah. would be a cool thing to add to a collection. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just so everybody knows, this week for DC is the first kind of. Post convergence week, we're getting that kind of the DCU books are, mm-hmm. are are out. I mean, Action Comics is coming back. Uh, the first issue of the new Batman Beyond is coming back. Um, Tim Drake is now the Batman Beyond in that in that story. Wow. Bizarro, yeah, Bizarro. Batmite is coming out. Um, Green Arrow is back. Green Lantern's back. All those books basically are now this Midnighter number one, Omega Men number one. So a lot of number ones uh, are, are coming out from the new DC line. Um, though I'm most excited about Justice League number 41 because you got Dark Side War continuing. Sweet. And the prelude was freaking awesome. I gotta catch up. So, um, yeah. And the the arc finale of Wicked and the Divine. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, there's it's a it's a big big week for a, a lot a lot of stuff coming out. Like you said, New Year Vows is coming out, so I'm excited yeah. about that. Is there anything you're excited about, Bob? What are you, are you, how many are you buying this week? Three. Three? Four. Well, no, four. What are your four? Uh, Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, though, if I had known 
now that I've seen some preview pages from four, I'm a little disappointed. Why? I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but okay. it's not about exactly what I thought it was going to be about. Okay. Or at least who I thought it was going to uh. be about. Squirrel Girl. Come on. <laughs> Squirrel picking a new partner, which should be fun. Spider Woman number eight, which has been so much mm. fun, you know, with, with the relaunch of that. Masks two number three. Mm. And that's the whole ball of wax. You're not going to try out, uh, what's the Peter David Future Imperfect? No. Okay. Read the original, love mm. the original. I'm not. I, I've been chastised on our forums about Secret Wars, but I've made my points, and it, I've been, you know, <laughs> I'm excited for Secret Wars three. Three is coming out. Yeah. It's also a Star Wars book. Star Wars, I think number six is out this week mm. as well. Some big books are coming out this week. Um, We're not going to talk about the uh, what we had. A, we had one more one more topic in the email. Did we? Yeah, the, what half was it? Pa- the half page ads. Oh, we talked about like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Do we yeah. want to maybe save that for? Yeah, like, we'll save that for next week. Oh, we'll get I got Stephanie and yeah. he's ready. He was ready outside. Bob and I in the car. Oh my god, you're gonna you're gonna need like a like an expletive deletion <laughs> button for me. Holy shit, <laughs> I am I hate that. Anyway, it's really stupid. Yeah, yeah, because you know I really want Nick Lachey selling me <laughs> fucking snacks in the middle of my Batman comic. You know, like, yeah. you'll never make it in time, Batman. Three, two, are you hungry? Mm. Fuck you. Mm. Like, I understand, like, oh, but what about full page ads? I can ignore those. I can't ignore Nick Lachey trying to sell me a candy bar in the middle of my comic book, taking up half the page. Yeah, I think uh, if they're going to do it, they better, they better reduce the price of the books because there's not the point of putting advertising yeah. the books or you're subsidizing the price of the books. We're not going to do that. Get the comic yeah. characters to do something cool. Actually, like make a partnership and have them, you know, hawk the product. Doesn't matter. It's stupid. I don't care if the comic book characters were. Actually, I'm but, glad the comic book characters aren't hawking them because when they have those ads in comic books that kind of look like comic books. Yeah, then it's even more annoying because then I end up reading part of them like, oh wait, this is an ad for like, like a, shouldn't a Ford. be on half a page is the real problem no, for me. Really, they really... did it forty years ago and it was awful then. No, it's I know. Worse, I know yeah. It's worse now. Yeah, really quick. Like, what are we like? Are we now paying? Like, you're gonna keep me at like the three ninety nine price point? Am I? Are yes. you giving me more pages or are you keeping the pages the same pages and you're taking same. panels? Away? Fuck that! No, 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 no. It'll be the same because they said like they told creators that if you know when they when they write the books. Like those two pages that, that, that like you know it's gonna be a page and a page probably and then the panels will go across the top and then the ad will be ads will be at the bottom or whatever that when it's collected in trade it's gonna be put back together as one page it'll end up being the same amount of pages but it'll just you, you probably get an extra page in there because it'll be two half page ads or something see to me just what Steve was saying before if I've got a full page ad I can speed search past mm-hmm. it. Half a page, it's like the crawl at the bottom of the screen that interrupts yeah. the movie that you're trying to watch. Well, that's and why that's they're doing it, hideous. so you can't, yes. you can't speed through it. Yeah. But when I, I talked about this in Comics and Coffee, and I said, you know, people don't respond positively to that kind of advertising when they feel like they're being, it's being forced on them. They get annoyed by it. So I, I don't understand kind of what they're going for. I'm sure they're trying something, but I feel like this is one of those things that they're going to do that it's going to get such a... I mean... I would think it's such a backlash that they'll they'll go back. Do we on know it. when that starts? Does that start today? Uh, I think it might start today. <gasps> oh man, I don't remember what it was. Some artist, Chris Burnham or something, got like pages, like pre, you know, like like these co- proof copies in. I saw Greg Capullo. T- Greg Capullo was talking about it on Twitter. He was talking about it. Yeah. He was just like, I am not happy about this. Yeah, well, because it messes up their whole kind of flow. I just yeah. Well, even even from a reader's perspective, 
I don't like I can ignore the full page ads no problem. Mm-hmm. They're an inconvenience, but I just literally like I see it and whoop right back mm-hmm. onto the next page and we're good and we're going. Half page, you're 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 I'm in the story. I'm in the moment. And like what are we we're, we're going to write around Twix ads now <laughs> that we're going to end the panels with like a, you know a cliffhanger right before a snack break? I mean, if you see the ad coming, you're gonna be able to turn. You know, you turn the page once you get done with the panel. So you're gonna you're gonna be reading and be like, "Oh, it's a Twix ad." You're gonna see it when you open the page. But up. where does it end? Like, where? Like, what are they gonna sell well, me they, next? They can't do more than half page. Sure, they, they can. They can put him. They should put Batman page. holding a Twix. Yeah, Skechers gonna make a comeback and yeah, sell me some shoes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, some fucking Batman shoes. Yeah, totally. <sighs> Maybe they'll go back just to read, those. Just read it digitally. You don't get any ads in the digital version. <sighs> Spider Man selling Hostess snack cakes, full mm-hmm. page at the back. I'm very unhappy about it, as it's, you can tell. It's stupid. It is stupid. It is really stupid. It's and stupid. it's it's uh I don't I don't think it's gonna go over well. It's not gonna go over well. Good. But yeah. if the, but if the same amount of people buy the books regardless if they hate it or not, then what what is that telling DC? They're just gonna keep doing it. You know what it's gonna do for me personally is that if I'm on the fence about something and I find out that a book has that kind of setup, that is going to put Well they're me... all gonna have it. Ooh. It's not gonna matter if it's Batman or if it's Midnighter, it's oh, gonna have it. Oh shit. So you're gonna punish the creator because DC is being an asshole? I might. Okay, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I'm being real mature about I'm it. The, I don't even, know. It really bothers me a lot. It sucks. Yeah. Don't buy Twix. Yeah. I want if they brought boy, back boy, cookies boy, and cream. boycott Twix. Yeah. Boycott Nicholas. Oh, I could boycott for what? Nick Lachey. He yeah, do exactly. He's not even selling the good flavored ones. He's selling the caramel <laughs> ones. Nobody <laughs> likes those. The caramel ones are good. Yeah. <laughs> but are they better than the peanut butter ones? Caramel ones, that's Twix. The caramel one is, that's Twix. They're peanut butter too. Yeah, but peanut butter is like an offshoot flavor. Ah. Caramel <laughs> is Twix. When you say a Twix, you're giving me something with caramel in it. If you give me a peanut butter one, I'd be like, why'd you, give me, why'd you give me a peanut butter Twix? I asked for a that's Twix. That's a good point. That's He's got goes. a point. That's the way it goes. They have... It's like saying, give me an Oreo, and you give me like one of the vanilla ones. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, wait, What? Well, vanilla Oreo, you know, vanilla cookie. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. one of yellow the yellow cookies. If I yeah. say I want an Oreo, I the want weird I want a ones. chocolate yeah. cookie with cream in the middle. I don't even want I don't even want one of the gr- the good offshoot flavors, it? like the cookie dough ones. Chips Ahoy. Chips Ahoy's getting carried away with their flavors now. They have got like 16 new uh, Chips Ahoy flavors. Oreo is a lot too. Yeah, Oreo double stuff, triple stuff, green, yeah. red. Well, they've like and watermelon and yeah. Lay's potato chips. Ex- espresso chips. Ugh. Chips are gross. Really? Um if you guys have any hot takes on chips, uh, you can email us podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com, at talkingcomics on Twitter, facebook.com slash talkingcomics. Um, <laughs> uh, go to talkingcomicbooks.com for all of your reviews, news, articles, columns, and our bevy of podcasts Talking Valiant with Adam Shaw, The Misfits with Melissa Megan, Stephanie Cook, and Mara Wood. Talking Movies with Brian Vernarosa, Chris Oliphant, and Nick Scalia. Uh, talking Games with S- Return of Steve Say. Yeah, I'm hosting Ooh. tomorrow. Uh, Jackie Turner, Rob Newmeyer, and Justin Townsend. And uh, check out our special edition of Feed where you can find comics and coffee and backup stories. Um, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve. My personal Twitter is at dead underscore anchorus. Bob. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Logan tweeted at... Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. <laughs> and, what, and what did he get? Nothing. Nothing. He just as a joke, but I thought it was pretty funny. Eventually, somebody's going to make a parody account. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Logan. I enjoyed that. Um, so hopefully, Stephanie will be back next week, where we'll be talking about baby 
Avengers stuff. Giant size. There we go. Little, little Avengers AVX number one. Okay. Um, it's a mouthful of a name. It is. Um, but that's going to do it for this Talking Comics podcast for Steve. I'm going to go get some fries. Bob. Feel better, Steph. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>